152 of the Reptile Gumbo podcast. Uh, we have Rachel back again. Hey guys. And this week she'll talk into the microphone. I am yeah, going to talk into the microphone. I wouldn't fucking lay money on it. <laughs> <laughs> because I'm going to reach over and pinch you behind the is arm it, if you keep is it not Is it not limp dick this week? I think that may be that one over there. Okay. This one's tighter, yeah. That right. one's good. It's tight and tight hard. Better. Yeah. It's very rigid. I can't. There's a leg right there, so I can't go up That's too much. Not my leg. It's, it's no, the table, table leg. leg. Yeah, it's table leg. Make sure everybody knows it's not my leg. I'm between <laughs> your leg. That'd be a little weird. It'd be awkward. Anyways, uh, so we're back. It's episode 152. Uh, go with our sponsor. And Katie's not here to do it. You want to try? I do don't it? have it. But if you need a quality PVC rack or enclosure, reach out to Robert or myself at Lone Star Reptile Racks. Or uh, Rat Rack? Yeah, Rat, rat Rack. Or an acrylic. Or uh, acrylic box. Like, uh, yeah, we're about to really ramp up the acrylic side of the business. Yeah. Because yes. that shit's been selling really well. Yeah, for Black. like uh, small geckos, for yeah. tarantulas. Mm-hmm. Uh, mantises, praying mantises, anything. So, uh, the acrylic's really great. Custom sign, lit up, not Custom lit up. Custom signs, mm-hmm. cages, racks, we said those. But again, we got it. hides. Hides, yeah. big, big, like large boa hides. Yeah, large boa hides. hides. Uh, so reach out to Robert at Lone Star Reptile Racks. And then if you're coming to a herp show, you can pick up at a herp show. But speaking of herp shows, let me go ahead and list those real quick. Uh, coming up February 25th and 26th is the Corpus Christi, Texas show. Robert will be there. Uh, March 4th and 5th is the first... Baton Rouge, but it's really Gonzalez. Baton Rouge, Louisiana show, but it's really Gonzalez. So if you go there, be like, hey, I'm going to Baton Rouge. No, you're not. You're going to Gonzalez. But it's a good place. It's a great uh, location. Uh, there's a Bass Pro Shops. No, there's Cabela's at that exit, which at this point, they're the same thing. They're owned by the same people. Uh, there's a shopping outlet there. So, you know, mm-hmm. if you want to drag someone along, with like, hey, I'm I'd- really looking forward to that show. I think it's going to be a good show. Just mm-hmm. want some good food. Gonzalez is nice. That's a nice place. Uh, then the Bryan College Station show will be there March 11th and 12th. We'll be there recording. So hopefully we'll get some interviews for that one. Uh, Waco, Texas, March 24th, 25th and 26th. Slidell, Louisiana, April 1st and 2nd. Austin, Texas, April 22nd and 23rd. Then back here at home in Pearland, May 6th and 7th. And then Lake Charles, Louisiana, June 3rd and 4th. Back to Lake Charles. This will be the first show in Lake Charles since the hurricane. Since I've been, this is my That's right. You've never done one. Lake Charles. You've never done one. So the so for anybody that's gone to the Herb shows, there's been a Beaumont show for the last three years. Yeah. Ever since we've been in. And, and a Lafayette show. I fucking love that show, too. The Lafayette, the Beaumont, Beaumont show? Beaumont. Show. But Lafayette, too. Those were two of my best shows. But a lot of other vendors didn't do well there. I know, but Lafayette had really good food. And then Beaumont had the best hotel that we stay at best. at any, any show. Yeah. Best hotel. But uh, And good food. Mm-hmm. And good food. But those shows existed because Lake Charles, uh, Mother Nature decided she hated Lake Charles for a while there and just kept smacking her with hurricanes. And uh, they got canceled. So when you're going back to Lake Charles, so that'll be fun. That was my, my first Herp show was Lake Charles. Wow. When I sold all of my Samboas before this, the show opened. <laughs> but yeah. uh, so, and then we just had Conroe this weekend. Uh, it was a weird show. I, I sold a few snakes so that was pretty good no you didn't sell shit that's true i didn't sell shit <laughs> i sold three and rachel sold one that is true for you <laughs> i was at the table some but every time i was at the table no one bought shit for me i'd walk away from the table and i would get a text that i needed to come back to the table and sell a snake ring up a snake ring up a snake yeah yep. so it worked i i really felt like i sold one because those people came up and they were like we're thinking about getting our first snake and we were looking at rosy boas and blah blah, blah. and i was like you're gonna leave here with a sambo one of these samboas i am 
Yeah, because when I start telling you about Rosie Bowes, you don't want one. And uh, sure enough. Then uh, I bet maybe the one one of them went home and like tagged me right away on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but that was cool. I got sold four Rosie Boas, or four, four Sam Boas. Um, it was super busy Saturday, yeah. which was crazy because the weather this weekend fucking sucked. sucked. Still sucks. It still yeah. sucks. It's just cold now. At least it wasn't cold this weekend. It rained like crazy. Was it? But, what? No, it wasn't that cold. It was not cold this weekend. Not as, but, that, not as cold. But it rained all weekend. But a ton of people through the door on Saturday. Sales were iffy, depending on who you were. Some did great, some didn't. But a lot of people. Uh, it's kind of good to see a lot of people back at a show again. Uh, now if we can just get them, separate them from their checkbooks, which I think will happen in the next about a month. Yes. When those special checks start hitting the bank account and people want to spend money. Yeah. Well, they're already starting to get them. I mean, you got a bunch of calls the day after we got back from now, the show. They're not getting their income tax returns. They're getting their... H&R block loans. And not paying attention to interest rates. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but you got a bunch of calls after the show. Yeah, it was Monday, no, but yesterday was. Yesterday, he uh, was on it. There like five people at one time that I was having conversations with. I think with a show, with a show like that, a lot of people walk around and then they realize afterwards, okay, now I'm just going to go ahead and buy it. Especially when you tell them, hey, I'm an hour away or less an hour. Right. So that was a good show. Uh, also, shout out to Herps. And then a shout out to our friends over at... Uh, I had to look for a second. Wiregrass Exotics. My brain's not working tonight because I went to the gym and I can't work out and have a functioning brain. Uh, Wiregrass Exotics, if you're in Alabama. And also, I haven't shouted in a while to our friends over at uh, Focus Cube because of this amazing sign behind me. I still love this sign. It's like one of my favorite things in my entire house. Uh, so, a shout out to them. Uh, oh, the Reddies are in here. They said they did well in Conroe. That's because they, they had Panther Chameleons. I don't think I saw any other Panther Chameleons there. Mm-hmm, no. Mm-mm. If I did, they weren't even I close to being like theirs. Yeah. So, you know. That's a yay for Conroe, all that shit. That's Dax. Dax. Uh. Fuck Dax. <laughs> Dax bought a ball python this weekend. So not only is he a retake guy, he's also... <laughs> and he tries to say it's for, for their daughter. For Jules. <laughs> but you know he wanted that ball python. That was all for him. They did have... Dax did have some snakes in his incubator when he got home. Oh, did he? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was... Congratulations, man. That looked pretty cool. Looked like some pretty snakes. But they were really pretty But looking. they're retics. Yeah, you know. Retic, they can still be pretty. Retic people. Hey, you guys heard about... Uh, it's a completely different subject. You guys heard about the the cloud of leopard that was somebody let out at the yes. Dallas Zoo a couple yeah. weeks ago, and then they killed a vulture trying to steal it, and then they stole two monkeys this As weekend. Someone that works at the zoo, that's fucking crazy for me to think about all that well, happening. They stole two monkeys this weekend that they found in an abandoned house. Apparently, there was 10 squirrel monkeys stolen from Zuziana. That doesn't surprise me because that place is... Wait, Zuziana. Is that the one in Lafayette? Right by Lafayette, yeah. Yeah, that, that place is a shithole. Yeah, they stole 10 squirrel monkeys like two days before those monkeys got stolen. So, they're trying to see if there's a link there. So That was probably some coon ass. So, oh, look, that could, ooh, be, that that. could be dinner. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no. So, that place... I, I don't work for Zuzi anymore. I can talk shit. Uh, was bought by like a, a banker mm. for his son. Who had no zoo experience? Hmm. Wow! And then gave him the, and then he ran the zoo. And like, I want to say at one point they had a rhino get out that they had to put down because it got out. Wow! Um, they just, it's, it is what it is. It is what it is. But, uh, shit, Darren Watson said a red panda got out at another zoo. And did you say the tiger's enclosure was cut at that same zoo that those monkeys went? I, to the I can't remember if it was a tiger. It was something that you didn't want to get out. That was scared the shit out of me. The cloud leopard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, right here, nineteen ninety six. Rare rhino shot to death after escaping from zoo. Yeah. 
Wow. Uh, when they bought that zoo, they asked the public, what do y'all want us to get? I'm like, that's not how that works. You need to go with what you have, the space you have, and what you can right. house. Not, hey, everybody, what do you want? Elephants? Rhinos? Shut the fuck up. They can't have that stuff. It's, you're a small podunk zoo. Calm down. Anyways. It had only been there a couple of weeks. Yeah. Jeez. And they had to kill a white rhino female. Yep. Damn. Fuck. Yep. So I, I, I have... I'm going to go with that place is probably not AZA accredited. It is not AZA accredited. <laughs> it is not. It is. They stole a it, dozen squirrel monkeys. There are two AZA accredited zoos in the state of Louisiana, and that is Alexandria, Alexandria and New Orleans. Nah. That's it. There's four zoos. I'll tell you that. No, don't tell you that. Baton Rouge, I think. I forgot Baton Rouge has a zoo. There are five zoos in Louisiana. Baton Rouge, I believe, is two. But Monroe uh, is not. Uh, they lost theirs. And Louisiana just never fucking has been. It's Got whatever. It. All right. So oh, let's yeah. get, the reviews are not good. Oh no, it's <laughs> it's a shithole. Yeah. It's like mom's calling me. Right. So like uh Joe had a Girl Scout thing there where they were gonna go camp at the zoo and they did. So if you ever drive past it, there's this, I don't know, like fifteen acres of land till you get to the tree line that you drive through to finally get to the zoo. They camped out in that open area by the highway. Not like in the zoo. What? But they put tents up in that open area by the highway. I'm like, what's the point of camping at a zoo if you're not in the zoo? I was going to say, that doesn't sound very secure. Yeah. So, again. Mm. Uh, let's get to our guest now that I've yep. shit on other zoos for a while. Uh, our guest tonight is Brent Schultz with no T, but sounds like T. How's it going, Brent? Good, man. Speaking of Lake Charles, Louisiana. Yep. yep. <laughs> so I'm going to let Brent tell you. With You're going to be at that show, aren't you, Brent? He will be. Oh, man. It's 15 minutes down the road, brother. Good. I'll be there. I'll let Brent tell everybody who he's with because I don't want to butcher the name. Uh, well, you can say ASF things. You'll be good. Yeah, but ASF um, to Ball Python people, they're going to think you're with African soft furs. Yep. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not a rat. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so I'm with the Asclepius Snakebite Foundation. Asclepius. Uh, yeah, what he said. Yep, Asclepius. Um, yeah, ASF, the Snakebite Foundation. Um, a lot of a lot of people, a lot of viewers probably know me from Venom Life as well. Um, or Get Hooks, Snake Hooks, which is also Venom Life now. But uh, yeah, tonight we're talking about the nonprofit ASF, man, the Snakebite Foundation. Nonprofit, uh, doing profit good, software do, rats. Doing good work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, that... Uh, uh, Sup, guys, and mm, Steamboat Bills is Sean. Oh. Yeah, this um, Steamboat Bills should be a dead giveaway. I have to say, it's his Steamboat Bills. I knew who it yeah. was. <laughs> we have a Steamboat Bills. We do. I, have a, and, I don't ever go there. I know. It's on the other side of Parallel. But I don't want to go there, and it sucks. Yeah, it's it's yeah, okay. You should, try, you should try this one. I've been to that one. I was like, we Remember, there. we met you in the parking <laughs> lot there. Yeah, you definitely did. Yeah, the, but the problem is it's on the other side of Pearland from us, which I know most of you like, what do you mean? But that's still like 40 minutes away from our house. Yeah. Because it can be up to 30 minutes, 30, 40 minutes. Yeah. 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 So I'm not driving over that side of Pearland. I'm always amazed when I end up on that. I went to the Walmart over there. There's not a fucking person that shops in that Walmart. That's no, the place to go. It's dead. Oh, always. I don't know how they're open. Yeah. I don't either. I walked in there one night. It's clean. Know, it was like seven o'clock and there was no one fucking there. I'm like. You go to ours over here. Oh and my it's god! Packed. So Blam. you drive by it during the day, and there's a ton of cars there. I think that's employees the, on Dixie Farm Road. They just have a bunch of workers. That's yeah. I don't know. They're just all straightening stuff that's already straight. Yeah. Someone that's walking fair. by, making it crooked, so they can go back and straighten it back up. That that one down there too has the automated yeah. um, has the automated order pickers. It's just like a machine going around grabbing things off the shelf. Does it really? Because yeah. there's no one in the aisles. It can do yeah. whatever the fuck it wants. It's a little scary. It's a little weird. <laughs> 
That's, that's like, probably why nobody goes there. They're probably afraid of getting run over. Like, I'm going to stay away from that well, thing. That's why it's always weird going into Walmart and seeing the uh, automatic floor cleaning machine mm-hmm. just driving itself around the Walmart. Yep. Mm-hmm. Like, how has nobody gotten ran over? I get that it has sensors, but like, still, people are dumb. Things how's, break. Yeah. Just wait for it to go straight through all the, like, all the aisles. Start knocking over aisles. Oh, that'd be a like, dumb uh, Today effect. in Alvin, a uh, car drove into the Burke's outlet. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. into the parking lot. Into mm-hmm. the store, through the store, and hit the... Uh, Dressing rooms where a woman was in the dressing room and they had to use the jaws of life to get her out. Today in Alvin, a student got hit by a car walking to school. I saw that. Oh, wow. Like right in front of the school. Kid okay? I don't know. I, I mean, so. got hit by a car. It can't be 100%. I don't think they, they didn't die. We wouldn't told that. That's but, good. Uh, uh, but yeah, I, like, I was getting out of my car to go inside and the cop car comes flying by. And I see you go down to the other end of the school and then another one comes flying by. And then we get an email. Like, oh, short- time to go home. <laughs> we get an email shortly that it happens. Like, oh, shit. Wow. Damn. That's crazy. So crazy stuff. Oh. <sighs> Watch out for cars, folks. Watch out for cars. Uh, yeah, both ways. Yeah, I, I was. That's why I was telling my we're walking through somewhere. The cars will hit you. They are not looking for you. No. But uh, I want to go to our first question. Uh, I posted two, but I but I got this one from Brent, and then someone went right to Google the Google machine and gave me an answer. And we're gonna go to Brent for more answers. But it was how many snake bites occur in Guinea per year, and it was a very specific question for a very specific reason. Uh, and, and we're gonna talk about talk about that with Brent. But uh, Tracy Stower said 24,000 venomous yearly with approximately 3,600 deaths, 4,600 amputations or other deformalities. Mm. Deformities. Deformities. Not deformities. It's not deformal. It's not, <laughs> not unformal. De- deformities. Is it, did you say 24,000 or 20, what, venomous snake bites? They said 24,000. 24, yeah. They said 24,000. Not 2,400? Nope. That's pretty good. So apparently That's the, pretty good. Most of the CDC, uh, you know, World Health estimates it at like 24 2500 i think uh in most places um that you look but it is much much closer to twenty thousand snake bites and this is just in guinea in sub-saharan africa um so yeah that's uh that's that's pretty good that's pretty close so whoever that is they're a winner maybe they could win the calendar (laughs) that's true so i'm looking up population so the population of guinea is 13.53 million What's the population of Texas? Um, I think around thirty million. Twenty, yeah, twenty nine point five three, five three. So, and that's so out of the thirteen and a half million, every year twenty four thousand get bit by a venomous snake. So that would be like which is sixty thousand people getting bitten in Texas. Yeah, which is not even close. Like we, because we've had Doctor Green on before, and it's mm-hmm. and people get bit, but it's like it's not even close, and it's definitely not thirty six hundred deaths. No, like no, no, no. I think I think in the U.S., uh, pretty generalized stats is about five thousand bites per year across the entire U.S., and that includes, you know, the guys milking the snakes, the guys at zoos, the idiots that keep them at home that have no business doing it, and the people who keep them at home who probably are okay to do it. <laughs> All of that included. Um, you know, it's it's about close to five thousand a year in the United States on average, um, including the professionals, and that's less than one percent mortality rate on average. It's insane. That's so, yeah, out of out of five thousand bites, like less than one percent die. So, tell everybody why you you are interested in Guinea and why you know all this stuff about Guinea and the snake bites and what you've done and what you, the group you were with has done. Yeah, I know. I know. I know quite a bit about Guinea now, way more than I did two years ago. I mean, I probably couldn't have pointed it out on a map two years ago. Um, but with the snake, you know, the Snake Bite Foundation 
when we it started as a small group with Jordan Benjamin and a couple other doctors, a um, couple researchers, and it started in late 2018. Kind of started ramping up in 2019. Um, that's I was brought on in early 19, uh, just to, to do whatever I could to help. Uh, you know, being interested in the medicine side and the, the venomous venomous snakes. Um, kind of started in Benin, uh, where Jordan was doing a lot of work over there with Jean Philippe Chapeau. <clears throat> Jordan is a uh, you know our, our original kind of main founder, um, Jordan Benjamin, and you know did some work in Sierra Leone. Our guys did work in 2018 in uh, in Kenya, in Baringo County, and um, it kind of made sense for us. Last year we decided that that in 2022 or two years ago we decided in 22 we were going to really put a lot of our focus into Guinea. Uh, kind of focus on the places of greatest need when it comes to snake bite. There's a lot of people in a lot of places in, in rural areas that are far away from hospitals, don't have good, you know, doctors or well-trained Western medicine. They don't have ambulances. They don't have, you know, even electricity in a lot of these places. Um, and that's all over the world, by the way. But with our ties to, to Africa uh, with the team, it just made sense to kind of start there um, and kind of use that as our, our launching point and hopefully be able to move out over the, the next years and decades to way more places all over the world. So Guinea was uh, what we chose to do this year or, you know, last year, I'm sorry. Um, and so we did a lot of fundraising. We got some grants and we were actually able to build a clinic in, uh, in, in Guinea. Um, it's not open yet, but our guys are over there twice a year. I think we're trying to go, more than that, three to four times this year, if we can, have the team go over there and they're delivering medical supplies from heart rate monitors to, you know, ketamine, antivenom. Uh, we try to supply lots and lots of antivenom, about $10,000 per year is what we try to provide an antivenom uh, to these places. And yeah, Guinea is, Guinea is uh, where we're at right now. And that's kind of our proof of the pudding to show that our concept works with the research training and education, which are kind of our three main pillars of how we're able to reduce snake bite and mortality and morbidity, uh, deformations, uh, in, uh, in these areas. You, well, you were telling so, me some yeah. numbers last night about the change since, uh, y'all have gotten involved. Yeah, so last year, uh, our team is currently working in a clinic over there um, with Salou and a couple herpetologists and other doctors that has been open since 98. And uh, now that our team's over there and helping supply the antivenom and, um, you know, like I said, machines, heart rate monitors, whatever we can, we're trying to bring as much medical supplies with us on every trip as possible because shipping it over there is risky, uh, if at all possible, a lot of the time. And so we were able last year to reduce the mortality rate, so deaths in this area of Guinea, from about 30% of the bites that came into the hospital to around 2% per year is what, you know, two. Wow. So, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so it's pretty good, pretty good uh, averages there. It's crazy um, to think that 30%, uh, almost a third of the people that come in from a sink bite die. Did. 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 Not anymore. But I mean, when you think of like a place like the U.S. where that number is so small. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, man. And and keep in mind, well, you know, a lot of these people, they're they're not, 
they're not within 30 minutes of hospitals. And, you know, even though all the, all the hospitals in the U S don't have anti-venom, um, they can try and keep you alive until you get it though. Yeah, man, we got, we got good enough medicine that they can, they can deal with the, the effects of it. Um, you know, whether it's coagulation, anticoagulation, anaphylaxis, like those are all, you know, pretty treatable on route. And two with ambulances and life flight, um, it's it's just something that they just they don't have they don't have that there uh for a lot of them you know it's a bumpy ride on the back of a motorcycle for sometimes what could take hours <laughs> and so yeah. and, and when we're talking about mortality rates and snake bite world health numbers worldwide um which i think world health in 2017 uh announced snake bite as a neglected tropical disease hmm. which is on the same level as dengue malaria uh <laughs> ebola yeah, neglected tropical diseases. Um, so it made the list in 2017 as a neglected tropical disease, and their numbers were an estimated 265,000 deaths per year. Wow. Um, we know we know for a fact it's it's much closer to double that. Uh, but the, a lot of the stats aren't there. You know, this the the numbers that we're talking about right now and tonight are 30 percent numbers before we showed up and things like that. That's the people that make it to the hospital, right? Or that even you know, people go, that they die decide to sleep, go. People that die in their sleep, the people that never even decide to go, you know, and, and uh, a lot of them, they use traditional medicine in a lot of these areas. So which doctors, you know, and one of the big things that that's why education is really big. One of our three pillars, research, education and training. And one of the big parts of education is educating the doctors and nurses and training them on proper snake bite triage, using the medicines and, and you know, machines that we're able to bring over. The other huge part of it is educating the public in these rural areas to go to the hospital. You know, a lot of them go to the witch doctors and, and traditional healers um, where they might take a rusty razor blade, cut their foot 300 times, rub some dirt on it with some plant material. And, you know, that's their medicine. Um, and it's it's hard to convince people that that's not the right way without telling them it's not the right way. You know, yeah, it's, it's been really, their way really for a long time. It's what they yeah. know. So yeah, and it's really difficult. But at that point, they're they're risking secondary and tertiary infection on top of the effects of the venom, right? So, I'm a, I'm looking at, y- at y'all's website, and I love yeah. I love your introduction on here. Brent Schulz is an ex rock star turned herpetologist with a passion for venomous snake research. <laughs> I love that awesome. open mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was a. Uh... That was a uh, credit to, to Jordan Benjamin, uh, our, our founder when he, uh, well, one of the co-founders, but yeah, he, uh, when he, when he brought me on, you know, I kind of wrote my bio and whatever. And he, had, we had a couple multi-hour conversations before I was officially brought on. And he, uh, you know, we are just talking about my, my old life, my past life when I used to play music and, and he's like, Oh no, we're putting this, we're putting this. We've got to make the tattoos make sense, man. We're, we're doing this. <laughs> So yeah, X Rock Star turned into Then they have Maxwell. I forgot there. I said that he's Maxwell Hicks. Maxwell Hicks. Yeah, I'm gonna just call him that from now on. Maxwell I'm say he's Hicks. Maxwell now. Yeah. Oh. I got him. Uh, I got him in my phone. Is M A C K, and then the number six. <laughs> Speaking of, so Max. I say, hey Siri, call Max six, and <laughs> she she calls him right up. Speaking of Max and yourself, uh, y'all were at Conroe this weekend in the education room. They opened up the education room again. Um, I unfortunately never made it over there. Me either. I think I was in there like twice after like, towards the end of the day. It was cool. But y'all were raising money for the foundation to try and help. And 
I, I was very impressed when you told me how much that money could get y'all. So if you want to go over kind of what happened this weekend and, yeah. and kind of the plans for that, because I think the, I think those numbers are kind of impressive because people, I guess a lot of people think that this is going to, this is very expensive and I'm not saying it's cheap, but it's definitely not American it's, medicine, right? American medicine is ridiculously no, no. expensive. Yeah. So if we, uh, you know, Max called me about a week before, before Conroe and he said, Hey, you're going to Conroe. I said, I wasn't really planning on it. Um, it's about three hours away and having to get a hotel and I wasn't going to be vending for Venom Life. Um, we're kind of taking a, a little hiatus from shows right now. And, uh, you know, he's like, well, if you, if you can make it, I got permission for Sean to do a silent auction for ASF with all the proceeds that donors will be donating, uh, products from the tables and, and, uh, ASF gets a hundred percent. And I was like, yeah, man, I mean, I'll see you, see you Friday night. <laughs> so that was a no brainer for me. So Max and I kind of teamed up this weekend and, uh, you know, Sean and Lori and, Everybody over at Herps was was generous enough to allow us to do that and to utilize that space and, and their crowd. Um, the vendors were incredibly generous, donating everything from animals to plants to, um, you know, some funny stuff. We had books. We had the ASFs, which is funny. We had some ASFs on the ASF <laughs> table. Um, somebody donated a breeding colony. But, yeah, I mean, it, the support from the vendors was awesome. We ended up with to get about 20, 25 items on the table the first day, um, raised almost a thousand dollars. Nine, nine fifty seven, I think was the final number for, uh, Saturday. And then Sunday, the vendors really came through with about 50 items. We had to bring in a third table just to put the items up for people to walk through and put silent auction bids on. Yeah. That was the day I didn't make it to look um, at the silent auction. And then I saw people walking over stuff that I would have liked to oh, have there was won. some pretty cool stuff on it. Yeah. 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 Man, these, the vendors really took care of us, man. They weren't like. They weren't just giving us some leftover stuff that they couldn't sell. Um, I mean, a couple of them did, but even then, like, they, they, what, they just hold on to it for four or five years and it hadn't sold on the table. So they're like, hey, you know, it's, it's, uh, it was good on them to do it. It helped us out a lot. We ended up raising right at $2,600 over, over the two days. And that was from 10 to 5 Saturday, 10 to 4, or 10 to 3 both days, really, is what it was for us. Um, yeah, we did about $2,600. And that will do what? And what's really now? cool. I mean, that, that right there is enough to pretty much pay, uh, that can pretty much pay for a physician over there for an entire yearly salary. That's insane. Um, that's about, that's about one twelfth, close to one twelfth, I think, uh, if my math is right. I think it's about one twelfth of our yearly operating budget over there, the $2,600. Wow. Um, Jeez. For, that's, yeah, yeah you know, for, not 26000 Yeah. 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 On, on average, so here's the thing, guys. You know, we talk about the United States. Uh, we always say, and I think these stats are still right. Uh, I've been kind of in and out on the U.S. stuff for the last couple of years. Um, but I think it's about $175,000, $185,000 on average for a U.S. snake bite. Um, by the time you get, you know, the starter dose of Crofab is six vials at eight to 10000 you know, dollars per vial on average. Um, and we're donating our vials. And, it, and we use Inicerp over there. Um, that's what we're able to use for all the animals in Guinea, which we'll kind of get some, some of those species here in a minute, but, uh, we provide them with Inicerp. We, we donate, like I said, about $10,000 per year in antivenom is what we try to do. Um, we've been able to do that successfully so far. And, you know, here close to $200,000 per bite on average. Um, by the time you factor in, like I said, life light, you know, I can just, Seven to ten thousand dollars ambulance, three thousand, five thousand dollars. The hospital stay, the medicines, the um, anti venom here, is and insane. with insurance, yeah, it's it's a lot, man. I mean, you could be looking at fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars in anti venom, you know, uh, for 
for just a moderate bite from from a rattlesnake and that's person by person doctor by doctor you know there's no way to know for sure and no situation is the same taking that number and putting it in perspective in guinea uh the average snake bite costs us about a hundred dollars to treat <laughs> wow <laughs> you can't even sit in the waiting room of the hospital for a hundred bucks Mm-mm. no no you you well <laughs> not with gas prices no even if you drove yourself um, but yeah, about a hundred dollars per year. I mean, about a hundred dollars per bite, uh, is what we're able to, that's, I mean, that's life-saving medicine, you know, over there. And, you know, to put that into perspective, let's talk about that real quick. You know, we have, we, you can go online to snakebitefoundation.org. You can do a one-time donation. Um, you, we have recurring donations and we have membership statuses now, you know, Viper status, a Lapid status, where you can do monthly donations and, and, and be a member status. Um, with that. You know, if you think about, oh, my light's freaking out. My camper light, having a stroke. Um, <laughs> you're, you know, fro- you're frozen on oh but your sound yeah. is good, so we're good. Oh God, well, it don't matter. I'm getting up. We're we're cutting that one. That's gonna it's gonna give me a seizure, and I'm not even epileptic. Um, yeah. So, hundred dollars, hundred dollars per person. So, you know, to put that in perspective, if you were to do a, a, a recurring donation to the foundation for ten dollars a month. Listen, guys, that's that's a happy meal. That's one happy meal per month. That's one hundred twenty dollars a year. I mean, it's a it's a it's a pretty incredible thing to think about of one hundred dollars to save a life. And, you know, you get a few hundred people coming through the doors um, with snake bite. That's a few hundred dollars. Like if 30 people did that. Right. Oh yeah. That's just ten, just ten dollars a month. If thirty people did that, it's only one hundred twenty dollars a year. You know, tax what you need. deductible. By the way, you need Sarah McLaughlin singing sad songs. That'll get you that money. Oh. <laughs> I don't, I don't know about all that. Sad <laughs> it songs. Would, it would help. With it would help, man. We've, we've talked about that, and you got to pull at the heartstrings. You really do. You know, and, and some of our fundraising stuff. If you guys have watched on uh, Instagram. Uh, Facebook, we're pr- primarily on Instagram, but you can catch us up on Facebook. It's a uh, snake bite foundation. That's, you know, Asclepius snake bite foundation or snakebitefoundation.org. Um, and if anybody wants to write it down, Asclepius is A S C L E P I U S Asclepius. So the, the Asclepius snake bite foundation, um, if you just type in snake bite foundation on most searches for most social media, you can find us. But, you know, you'll see a lot of stuff on there where it's it's some sad stuff. I mean, uh, we don't show the mortality stuff, but we'll show some bites, a little bit of morbidity on there for sure. Uh, some of it can be kind of graphic, but we try not to get too in-depth. But you'll see older people, older patients getting treatment, um, you know, vials and IVs and drips. And So what is uh, the most common snake bite over there? So it's kind of... You know, in, in India, everybody kind of talks about the big four in India, and we kind of have the same thing, at least in Guinea. Um, we have about, I think there's 13 species, um, really kind of where we're at. There's four primary bites. Sometimes we see some echis, the soft-scaled viper, but it's pretty much the cobras. So like the forest cobra, black nick, um, spitter. So the cobras is pretty, pretty common. Uh, the mambas, primarily the West African green mamba. Uh, there's black mambas in the area as well. We do see some of those bites, but West, West Af- African green mamba. West African is by cobras, far the prettiest. 
I mean, not when you're getting bit. I'm sure it's not. But when you're not getting bit, yeah. it is by far the prettiest of the green monsters. Dendrospis viridis, man. They're my favorite. They're my favorite moments. They're one of my favorite snakes, and they look like velvet. The big incredible. ass scales but, on them. But yeah, so the cobras, the viridis, um, puff adders, and gaboon vipers. Those are the four most common ones. Occasionally, there will be an echis, so the soft scaled vipers. Um, occasionally, you know. You get the attract aspids, uh, the stiletto snakes. Oh yeah, um, what a weird ass sometimes. Snake. Yeah, those things are hot. they're they're wild, man. But yeah, those are pretty much the big ones, man. Cobras, cobras are pretty common. Um, you know, and there's other complications medically with with the different animals. I mean, boom slangs are also in that part of the game. Boom slangs are not predominant, but they do they do uh, exist in that area. But like with the any of the real bad advice, like mambas. Ptosis is one of the things where they, people kind of paralyze, their eyes roll back in their head, they're, you know, kind of drooling, they can't really move, and it's it's almost like a comatose state called ptosis, and uh, um, that's a bad one, and, and the older you are, the harder it is to recover from that, um, so, you know, speed is kind of everything, and so having trained staff and good medicine and, and not just rolling into like a hut, you know, with uh, <laughs> no windows and doors and because that's what a lot of these places deal with, man. And uh, it's it can be some bad stuff. But uh, our, our doctors are over there. When they're over there, um, successfully treating people for all kinds of stuff, by the way. Not just snake bite. But, um, yeah, they are they are over there doing doing good work with this, this snake bite medicine and training doctors and nurses to do it while they're gone uh, consistently. That's the other part of the education. So educating the public and educating the doctors and nurses twofold parts of that tier but um yeah it's it's some bad bites man i mean these you know people talk about <laughs> see on all these nat geo shows and animal planet shows and all that all that shit man and it, it you know oh it's cotton mouth man that thing will kill you and yeah of course it can like any venomous like that bites you could kill you for yep. sure but you know relatively speaking man it's like a bee sting that's why I, what, I always what tell folks over there. in North America, we really got the best end of everything. Like, the, <coughs> yeah, there's not a ton that we're horribly afraid of on a regular basis. Like, right. yeah, if yeah. you go far enough north, there's grizzly bears. But shit, Max went up there to Alaska and took pictures of them within 100 yards, and they didn't chase them down and kill them, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, we don't. Down here, we have alligators, and I know everybody is afraid of alligators that didn't understand an alligator. But it's a fucking puppy dog when it comes to crocodilians. Like, bro, they'll be they they're gone. They want nothing to do with you. I mean, things like Cuban crocs who can chase you down and are faster than you. Nile crocs that get the size of buses. Saltwater crocs that get bigger than buses. Mm-hmm. And we got alligators. Like, <laughs> and then like as far as big cats, we have the cougar, but we don't have lions and tigers. Like, no, it's, man, it's we we kind of got it easy. Relatively pretty good, man. And our venomous even with snakes, scorpions and spiders. Like it's really, yeah. relatively speaking to the rest of the world, it's really pretty tame. <laughs> Whenever you look at those yeah. top lists of like the deadliest this or that, it's not our animals. Yeah, not ever. Never. It's it's Africa and like Australia and something in the middle of Brazil. Like it's never us. So no, they've they've but, never done the the. Yeah, I don't even think they did it. Deadliest North. Like the cuddliest North American animals. Here we go, cuddliest. Yeah. <laughs> look, the black bear you can just yell at, and they will normally run away. They tell you just put your hands in the air and yell at it, and yeah. they run away. And I'm not saying go chase down black bears. Don't do that. But <laughs> no, <laughs> no, we'll pass. No, but you know, 
you know, that's, but that kind of brings up a good point too, right? So like when we talk about the, the 5,000 bytes in the U.S. per year, um, like I said, that's, that includes the idiots that mess with these things on purpose, uh, the professionals that do it, and uh, which some would still call idiots, um, and, uh, you know, and, and people, but how often do you really hear about people like hiking through the woods and actually getting bit? Like that's everybody's biggest fear, but that's not most of the bites. Like that's, that's pretty rare. We had a bite yep. in 2017 in Colorado where we had a, like a 23 year old triathlete training for like his fourth decathlon or something, 23 year old. And he was bitten by a prairie rattlesnake in Colorado, hike, running a trail. Yeah. And, uh, he died like within minutes. Well, most, and most everybody was just... dumbfounded, man, dumbfounded. But to come to find out, it was actually, uh, Intervenous into his ankle, it went straight oh, into the vein, and, and oh, wow. uh, basically, yeah. People be amazed at about that. how often they walk by a snake if they're out in the woods oh, hiking yeah. and oh, yeah. never see it. Oh, ha- having done the research for two years in Colorado, in uh, North Table Mountain, in Colorado, 2017 18, uh, we did the research. We went out and did radio telemetry for the you know Carter Parks and Wildlife. We transmitted, surgically implanted, and transmitted 20 rattlesnakes on that plateau. And we went out three days a week with Yagi antennas, tracking them down, and uh, with another nonprofit I was a part of at the time. And we, uh, you know, we, I, I'm telling you, man, I would be beeping on top of them. I'd be there for three, four minutes and not even know that he was six inches away from me in the grass. And I know for a fact, I, I would find three or four snakes on the way to my snake. And had I not been going that way, I, I never would have seen him if I wasn't physically looking for snakes. And we always halfway jokingly say, uh, for every snake you see, you walked past seven, you didn't. Yeah. Yep. I don't know. <laughs> you know. So Darren Watson in the chat has a good question. If you live in these areas uh, in Africa and all, what is the best way to avoid getting bitten? Well, that's actually what I was alluding to. So that's that was a great segue back back on track for me. Um, you know, we've been talking about the grizzly bears and all these other animals like that, you, alligators that pretty much just run away because you see them problem for a lot of these people is that you don't see them you know they're out there in the rice fields and they're scything into piles and then it takes them you know sometimes weeks or months to pile that all up and then get it out of there only as needed because they're farming out there that's all you can do in rural africa um so when you have these piles laid out piles of grass all over the place four five six seven eight days or even weeks later they're going to pick these things up you know and when there's no cover other than these piles that they've created, um, it's, it's really almost impossible to do. You know, we had, we had a case that we consulted over WhatsApp, actually, our doctors did, um, a couple of years ago. That was a kid that was bit by, it was pretty sure it was a cobra, never saw the snake, but he was like eight years old and he got bit and week later finally came into the hospital. His finger was already, necrosis already rotted down to the exposed bone by the time he made it in uh it had been weeks since the bite it's eight-year-old kid and when the doctors were asking him like you know what what happened how did it happen we're trying to id the snake you know mamas live in the trees cobras are generally in the holes echis are kind of the ones that are under under things russell vipers puff adders are another one that that there's some pretty common bites over there puff adders um you know, but we kind of know how they live ecologically and, and uh, where they where they exist. So if it was in a hole, probably not a mamba. Those 
they don't generally go in holes in the ground. So we're trying to trying to figure this out for you know identifying the anti venom, even though it's been weeks. Um, and he, this eight year old kid says he uh, he was out collecting rats. That's what he does. That's his job at eight years old. He goes out every single day, reaches his hand in the holes Jeez. in the sides of these little dirt cliffs and catches rats. And that's what he does for a living. Wow. And uh, so he said, uh, and they said, you know, trying to just keep him going. You know, what do you, what do you most look forward to? Okay, my kid complains you know? about telling him to put the toilet seat down. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. This is all relative, man. Like it's, it's yeah. a, it's a whole nother world, you know, but uh, you know, the doctor is just trying to keep his energy up and keep him excited about, you know, his future. He said, what do you most look forward to in life? And he said, turning 12. Jeez. Wow. So why? And he said, because at 12 years old, I don't have to go catch the rats anymore. Oh, so you graduate out of that job at 12 years old. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's it's uh, pretty interesting stuff, man. So as far as it goes for them, like avoiding snake bite in rural Africa is a lot more difficult when you don't have flashlights when you're walking at night. You yeah. don't have mag lights over there. You don't have... You know, a lot of their beds aren't even off the ground in some of these places. Like they're sleeping on the ground. Some places when it gets really, really hot, they're sleeping outside. It's actually cooler at night outside than it is in their little houses. Um, and so like, what do you do when you're the warm spot for a viper? They can see across the field and there's a big warm spot there. And that's you laying in the field when uh, you're having to pick up this hay, this scythe or, you know, the judo was bitten right above the eye. He was eight years old in Sierra Leone or uh, in Benin, sorry. And uh, he was one that was treated in 2018 uh, by Dr. Benjamin, uh, Jordan Benjamin. And he was bit right above the eye by an echis, by a carpet bite. And uh, they made it to the hospital relative, relatively quickly, but he was helping his dad herd cattle, eight years old, um, bitten above the eye. So when he got there, his eye was fully swollen shut. Uh, he had some gingival bleeding, he was bleeding from his eyes and his nose. I mean, it was a pretty bad bite. He was pretty, you always, uh, pretty out of it. Effects of getting bit, but like, I can't imagine seeing like that, like blood coming out of orifices. Yeah. 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 And it's, you know, boom slang's famous for that, but the reality is like, there's a lot of, a lot of snakes that can do that. And the lapids are, are pretty good at that for sure. This echis, um, super blood thinning kit, you know, properties in the, in that venom. Um, so that's the soft scale viper. I think Dax, Dax picked up a, a soft scale viper this weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not so, like picked it up, picked up, not picked up the thing. Yeah. 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 At yeah. Conroe got a soft scale viper. Yeah. Purchased one in a per- tub. Yes. yes. In a taped deli um, cup that he did not open up at the show. Right. Like at some other shows where people might open things up. But they, you know, the, it, it was a pretty bad bite when Majudu came in and, uh, he was probably within, they estimate less than 30 minutes, within minutes of death when wow. he arrived at the hospital. I'm looking at the picture um, now. Yeah, I mean, his whole face is just completely swollen. Really, It's pretty bad. But you can see, so they gave him a direct push, a direct push of like, I think, four vials of antivenom. Um, one day later, the swelling was down, the bleeding had stopped. Um, and five days later, he went home with full vision. Wow, that's um, awesome. You know, and that wouldn't have been possible without our guys over there doing the work that they do. Oh, and in Guinea, we're the, you know, we're the only team over there doing this. We're the only snake bite guys in, in Guinea doing this work. Um, so I just saw the really picture. It's amazing. Oh, that's amazing. It's amazing. Five yeah. days after the treatment. Yeah. Unbelievable, man. Unbelievable. And to be honest, they didn't know if it was going to work. 
Uh, and it wasn't a drip. I mean, they did the direct push of four vials and just hoped, uh, hoped that it was going to work. And sure enough, it did. Um, you know, I think our guys are still kind of in contact with him, but you know, we were able to do that for less than $200. And that was before we had a lot of our, our current partnerships and stuff. So, um, it's, it's pretty incredible what we're able to do. You know, you think about, you know, think about this, uh, hundred dollars to, to save, like, go look at the pictures on the snake bite foundation website. Um, you'll see Majudu and some of the other pictures of the, the patients that we've treated. And it's, it's incredible to think that for the average price of a family to go to dinner, you know, you could skip one dinner with your family, uh, and, and literally save a life. Yeah, um, insane. Yeah, at a, at a restaurant, you know, you got two two adults, and I think the national average right now is still two and a half kids per household. So two adults and two and a half kids per household, man, it's just a hundred some bucks at, at a at a decent restaurant. So yeah. it doesn't take much, man, for one Starbucks a month. You give up one Starbucks a month, and you can you can uh, do a lot of good. Um, and I think it's important that people go to the website and kind of kind of check it out and really get a feel for it. Cause I can talk about these all day long and I can give you numbers and species and things like that. But until you really see, I was looking at the uh, picture of the stiletto snake that's on here. It's such a, yeah. such a it's a, it's a weird, we've talked about before on here because it's a snake that everyone, everyone that watches uh, shows like uh, uh crocodile hunter and all that. And you grab the snake from behind the head. You can't do that with that snake. You can't, it'll just bite you with its mouth closed. Yeah, yeah, they're pretty. Yeah, they're called stiletto snakes because they can their fangs come out the side of their mouth and it's like like the shape of a high heel. So they're called stiletto snakes, and they'll get you. And what's cool is they actually like they turn into like almost like a circle, and then they like kind of roll. Like it's we yeah, have a video they, on our Instagram. Yeah, they like fling themselves around. Go to our Instagram. Yeah, if you go to our Instagram, you can uh, you can watch a video that they did on their like a cell phone video of one that they found a, a couple years ago. I think it was in Kenya. So I. I asked a second question, and it kind of goes back to some of the things we talked about. But the second question I asked yeah. was, based on the venomous snakes and the risk of getting bit, where would you like to visit but not live? And then I went back and added why, because people just kept telling me places. But uh, so some of the places were obvious. So, like, uh, Australia. Uh, mm-hmm. Australia is definitely one that was that's on people's list of, of, why, of places. Because I mean, we always think about Australia. Everything there can kill you. So, uh, But they also have, like, medicine. So that that is definitely a, a win for them over like Guinea, Africa. There is there there are hospitals in Australia and most of the shit that can kill you is in the middle of nowhere. Like a lot of that Exactly. You know, uh That's a big thing that people forget, I think. Yeah. That, you know, yeah. when you're in all the cities on the east coast and then you know, WA is like Perth and some other places over there, but there's not much in between. And that's where most of the really deadly stuff is. Um, they definitely occur in towns. Don't get me wrong. There's dangerous oh, yeah. stuff all over in the towns over there, but not not ninety percent of them. <laughs> Luke, Luke, our our uh, our Australian is in the chat. Uh, he says they have one antivenom that covers all the snakes. We kind of have one that covers, kind of, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. yeah our, our, with coral snakes. With coral snakes. Yep. Yeah, that's crowfab, and uh, you know, with the antivit. Uh, our one little sissy lapid. Yeah. Also have it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, but at India, and, and he, he of course named the first one you think of when you think snake bites. But Russell's vipers, which are account for just shit tons of bites for venomous snake bites. That's in India, one of the big big four over there for sure. Which is also one of the prettiest snakes uh, on earth. Yeah. But 
Uh, Drew said the Russell's Viper and the Rough Scale Viper are statistically the most likely species to bite someone. And India is home to around half of the snake bite deaths in the world every year. Because Australia has plenty of venomous species, but a lot of them live in the middle of nowhere. So Exactly. Yeah. yeah and another interesting fact. So, you know, tying that back into when we we're talking about the world health numbers, the, they're estimated 265,000 deaths per year uh, for snake bite um, worldwide. Keeping in mind that like two thirds of India has no data. Yeah. 100% of the DRC in Congo has no data. Like, there's just places all over, all over the world that there's literally just no data. Like we, uh, you can look on when, if they make it to Western medicine hospitals in India, then it counts as the data. But the whole other two thirds of India, uh, there's like no data for snake bites because those people just flat out don't make it to the hospital. You can't count snake bite deaths you don't know exist. So Luke says, there's but actually, we know they happen. Luke says there's actually a lot of snakes around the population, but I'm wondering of that. Yeah. I, I know like I've seen like with like the red belly uh, black snake is, is venomous, but it's a fairly calmer of venomous snake. Um, but like, how often do like king browns and stuff end up around people? Um, I mean, it definitely happens, but not like I don't. I don't think it's quite like uh, like you know rattlesnakes in West Texas. Again, and, and if you're getting there, bit you know. in in those areas, there's a hospital there. Like that. That's yeah. really ultimately when it comes to India or Guinea. That's ultimately the issue is that you're not near a hospital. Mm -hmm. Well, and two, consider this too. And this, well, I can hold off on this point if you wanted to, but you know, part of it is getting people to go to the hospital is another huge part of our education um, problem over there. So we talk on the website, we have some videos and stuff. We talk about like, you know, the, this cycle, this vicious cycle. Um, But we're, we're trying to change it to a, a virtuous circle. And that's good, good education uh, on both the medicine <laughs> side and the, the people side. And then we have the training, the doctors and nurses and herpetologists for handling the animals. And then we have the medicine side with, you know, the treatment, um, providing the antivenom, the ketamine, the beds, the, the heart rate monitors and, and all these other things. So if any one of those three things stop working, the whole wheel falls apart. And we have to start over from scratch. So consider this, let's say just outside, you know, an hour outside of, of uh, Kindia in Guinea, there's a farmer, uh, they get bit and they go to the witch doctor, cuts their foot, rubs some dirt on it. And they're okay for a couple days, whatever. The effect starts to really kind of take effect. They decide they're going to go into, into town and go to a Western medicine doctor and into the hospital. If they have to amputate because of the tertiary infection, secondary infection, just because of necrosis or anything else, if they have to amputate to save his life, you know, it was a hospital bill that he probably can't afford. Um, maybe 98, 100 and some dollars US, who knows? And they can't afford to lose a foot because they can't work again. It's like 98,000 francs over there. Yeah, right. So they lose their foot. They have to, you know, sell their farm or sell their cattle to pay the hospital bill and they have no leg. So now that their entire family's livelihood is out the window and what do the townsfolk see? He went to the witch doctor. He was fine. He went into town. Dude lost his leg, lost everything, lost his farm. (laughs) I ain't going to, I ain't going to those doctors and letting them take my leg. I'll stay out here and take my chances, right? To keep my farm. They would rather stay at home and die at home and leave the farm and the cattle to their, their family. 
than stay alive with no livelihood. That's insane. And that's a real problem that we're having to deal with over there sometimes. And so that's a huge part of the education stuff that we try to do over there is, is, and you got to be tricky about it. You know, you have to, you have to, and, and without saying that, these guys don't know what they're doing. You know? The witch doctors don't know what they're doing. You can't say that. We can't downplay their whole. I mean, it's 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 a belief system. You can't downplay their entire belief system because you won't be able to get them on your side. Hundred percent. So so it's really really tricky. I mean, you almost got to play, kind of kind of play both sides of the field and say like you almost have to like figure out how to reward the witch doctors and the local healers and the medicine men. To make it look like, hey, if you send them to us and we save their lives, you get to be the hero, right? Um, and almost trick them into it. And then also convince the people that it's a good idea to go. Because in a lot of places when we were dealing with in, in uh, you know, Kenya and a little bit when they were in Sierra Leone and definitely Benin is expired antivenom. But it's not properly taken care of or it's just uh, antivenom expires. Yeah. Medicines expire. Antivenom is not not uh you know subject to that it definitely expires uh for a while there was fake anti-venom and it still happens sometimes people make and sell fake anti-venom uh from different parts of the world just terrible but it happens that's crazy counterfeit um, anti-venom yeah yeah people looking for a but way it, to make a buck know, they'll do it yeah that's what i'm saying man it's a it, it's a, it's a pretty pretty bad thing or you know really good anti-venom that they can't afford so there's a good chance that if they were to go to the hospital before, you know, if they if they would go to the hospital that they weren't even going to get good treatment, um, you know, and then also training the doctors and it's, it's a, it's a really, really hard thing. So, um, yeah. So as far as like he was talking about with people getting to the hospital, getting to the hospital is only half the battle, like getting them to go there is half the battle doing good medicine while they're there is, is good keeping a good rapport with them and having them go back with a good story coming back with, you know, good health is arguably one of the most important things because, you know, if they go back and, and they lose everything, nobody in that town is going to trust you again. Yeah. You have to rebuild that trust from scratch all the time. And the only way to do that is to start from scratch, convincing people to come back in and give you a second shot. And it's really hard to come back from that. So, uh, being able to make sure we, we consistently maintain good anti-venom, good help. Our doctors can go over, do good trainings. Uh, and really with this new clinic, right? So I told you the clinic that we're currently working out of when we go over there has been around since 98. Um, Salou is there now. You can meet him on the website, get to know him a little bit better as well. Um, but we brick by brick, electricity, water, we're able to complete, uh, well, we're still looking to fill the rooms and we still have to create a clinic out of this, but we're, we're, we're still working on it this year. We're looking to basically finalize this clinic so it can be officially open to the public, but we're the physical building of the, the building. Uh, we were able to finish up last year um, with a donation to grants uh, that we were able to receive. And, you know, we're a hundred percent volunteer. Man. We're a hundred percent volunteer organization. Uh, we a hundred percent rely on that. And out of, out of the, the fundraising that we do and, and the donations that we get, um, 3% goes to our overhead, which is, you know, <laughs> maintaining the website, basically. <laughs> uh, and then the other 97% goes is going to our clinic in Guinea. Um, when our doctors go over there and they visit, ASF, they're paying out of pocket. 
ASF doesn't, it's oh, wow. not paying for people to go right now. I mean, if we get to a point where we can get enough money to, to get our doctors to go and, and do all that, like we'd love to, but right now it's, it has to happen. It's got to happen. We're, we're all super passionate about this as a cause and, and making sure that it does happen. Um, everybody on the team is. And so got to do what you got to do to make it happen. And until the word gets out there and more people are, are following, donating, supporting, uh, fundraising, uh, that's kind of what has to happen. But yeah, when we can get that new clinic opened up, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a game changer for sure. I mean, think about what we've been able to do in this clinic that's been around since 98, which yeah. is one year of our doctors being there. That's awesome. You know? looking- and, uh, that's with $10,000 around $10,000 worth of antivenom donated to the clinic. So, which here that antivenom at $10,000 would probably be like a million dollars worth of antivenom. <laughs> uh, yeah, probably. Probably. probably uh, Darren Watson said, are you having to treat people daily? Uh, what type of numbers are you seeing on average? Um, that I actually don't know the exact numbers on, and I'm not going to pretend that I do. Um, you know, I can give you a quick example. I'm going to look that up, and uh, I brought this because I'm no dummy. So... <laughs> I'm going to write that down and I'm going to, I'm going to get, get those, these answered in the next 24 to 48 hours and put them in the discussion post, uh, comments on the Facebook thread from this. Um, so how many daily? Yeah. And what, you know, what kind of numbers are you seeing on average? So I'm going to get those The average one. I think, I think I can look up those ones from last year in a 2022 report. Um, but the daily, I'm not sure. I do know, I do know this when, the first time our team went to to uh, Baringo County in Kenya last year. Um, sorry, let me log into my laptop real quick. I know that they uh, they were told, um, you know, on the way over there, that there were like 350, 375 snake bites per year. Um, you know, and, and they were like, is that deaths? Is that bites? Whatever. And that's what the impression was. Um, on the way there, after they landed in the, the airfield on the way to, to do the visit at the place where they stayed in Kenya for those couple weeks um, to do their work, you've come to find out that that was per month. Oh, shit. 350, wow. 370 venomous snake bites per month. Um, and so even then with what you hear is not, you know, not always uh, accurate information, right? Yeah, it's not like here. It's not a, it's not a simple um, Google search over there. No, no. And even then, like I said, do the Google search and more often than not, it's going to be pretty, uh, pretty conservative numbers like our venomous snake bites in the world. Now. Um, Guinea clinic in 2022 saw 589 patients. Wow. Um, 68 were pediat- 68 of those were pediatric patients and there were 11, only 11 deaths. And that's just one clinic and one small part of Guinea. Like that's, that's. That's our, that's the one clinic that's been open since 98 that our guys uh, work out of and train at while they're in Guinea until our new clinic that, that we're building from the ground up is completed, which hopefully we can do this year, but it's just going to take support. God, that's a lot of people. Yeah, that's insane. And you, you think what? Maybe half the people that get bitten come to your clinics in that area, or is it less than that? Um, I think... That I don't know. I think it was, um, I mean, every year it's going up, right? Because we have, we more, have a more people are coming home alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, so it, it, it's going up with people people visiting. I know every year I think we've had um, I think we've had more people visiting. Every time our guys are there, we have more people visiting. Um, and I don't think that that's a, a snake bite increase number. And consider this too; it's really hard to say um, because you got dry seasons and rainy seasons, yeah. and uh, when it's really hot and and where the snakes end up, whether they're indoors or outdoors and if it's farming season or not, like all of those things, uh, play, play into that effect. A lot of it is, you know, we want to get to a point where we're able to to help supply people with, you know, donations of flashlights or shoes or things like that to help protect them as they're walking around in the village too, man, the things that we absolutely take for granted. Like we got these mini computers that, like they they got nothing close to what we have and that's just in our phones that have built in flashlights like they got nothing like that they don't, a lot mm. of these places don't even have shoes man like look at some of these pictures on on the, on our website these people don't they don't have shoes man so They're going socks. back to you know places go back to some of these places that people named Max said Snake Island which I actually had to look up because uh, oh yeah the Golden Fertilance boy it's off the coast of Brazil and according yep, to yeah. the internet, and, you know, the internet's always right, but it says there's 430,000 vipers in the 106 acres of this uh, island. I watched a documentary yep, say, on where they go to like change the light bulb in the uh, the um, light tower. The lighthouse. The yeah. lighthouse. And it's like a big, huge ordeal. And they have, it's it's crazy. They're, the guys if you're not, If you're not scared. a researcher, it's, it's, it's close to the public, 100% close to the public. Yep. You have to have permits. You have to be permitted and go as a researcher with purpose or you're not going oh, wow. it's 100% shut down to the public That's do they crazy. say for every for every square meter there's like 13 to 21 snakes on average for every square meter and oh, it's wow. one type of golden fertilance which is you know bothrops so that's uh i want to go but i want to wear snake, like man. snake boots up to my thighs yeah makes you wonder what they're eating yeah. well, i know I mean, that's it, hey, curious about. to be to be honest it won't matter think about this like uh, birds migratory birds i think is so yeah. what they've done is they've adapted to be able to these all the shrubs out there so just shrubs right you're on this rocky island if you look at the pictures of snake island it's like basically waist high it's like walking through west texas man but the, the bushes are only like you know chest high waist and, high. and there's a snake every three um, steps so that's what I'm saying, man. Like, not, they're not always undercover either. You think about it, like you need a covered head to toe in snake air. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't get snake boots up to your up to your nipples, well, man. Like, where that's, my, that's where, where my uh, my suit is. If I'm a knight from medieval times, just you like some yeah, some mm-hmm. some chainmail. Wow, well, go right through chainmail. Yeah, man. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we need like uh, like chest waders, like like Kev- Kevlar chest waders. Man. Well, I want to say this one because I, I I've now learned how to say our listener's name. And I told them I would get it right. It's spelled, and I, and I talked about it last time because I couldn't, I couldn't pronounce it. And they, and they comment all the time. But it's spelled S-J-A-K. It's pronounced Jack. The S is silent. So I now know that his name is Jack. Jack said Australia, but not because of the snakes. And then he posted a picture of a giant flying fox hanging off of somebody's house. Heck yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why he didn't want to get that, rid of it. That mega chiroptor is no joke, man. This- <laughs> The southern hemisphere and the fruited and bats, man. Those, those are some crazy animals. Amanda Groman Wins said Costa Rica. I'd like to go to Costa Rica. Though. Like the, that, heck yeah. The snakes there. I don't say they don't scare me because I mean there are definitely venomous snakes that can kill you. But that doesn't scare me as much as like uh, Jake Cole said Africa. You know that's what we've been talking about tonight. Sean McCarthy said India. That one definitely scares me. 
Uh, Michael Stringer said, but if I go some, somewhere for the venomous snakes, I want to stay. I want to move my ass to Costa Rica and live the high life. I can see that. <laughs> so so is, the, is the question specifically like, like where would you want to go for the venomous snakes? Where, where would you mind visiting but don't want to live because of the venomous snakes? Ah, that, okay, that makes more sense. And so uh, I was like, how is nobody like named Fiji or Bali? Like, <laughs> man, I would love to go to those places. Let's, <laughs> let's talk about that. So Danielle Cruz said Africa again. And then Carl England said India and Sri Lanka because of the Big Four, which we talked about before earlier. Yep, um, absolutely, man. The Big Four and, and the Big Four over there, like uh, you know, like you said, the Russell's Viper, Fungaris um, Multisynctus, the uh, Banded Crate. Man, that one gets a lot of people, dude. That's the one that that's the one that kills people in their sleep because it's pretty. Well, the like, Mini Banded Crate that's what killed Doctor Slowinski. Yep. Yeah. They don't even they don't even feel it. Like a lot of a lot of times they don't even know they've been bit. Like they yeah. literally get bit. Yeah, they, and they roll over on top of it in their sleep, sleeping on the ground. Well in, roll over on top of a crate, get bit, and then then just never wake up. Like, in the book about Slowinski, Rachel and I listened to it um driving to a show and uh he wasn't even sure he had been envenomated when he got bitten uh until he started feeling the effects because that's what he told him. He's like, Look, I don't know if it actually bit me or that it actually envenomated me, but we'll know in about an hour. And yeah, yeah. sure and enough they did. Because not like it, it, like a lot of the, you know, I've never been bit, but, you know, a lot of people that say with the rattlesnakes and things like that, or, or other species, guys working in the venom labs talk about it. They're like, you know, hot poker down to the bone or, or like you've been shot with a white hot bullet, you know, all those things. And like, if you could imagine, like, just think about not knowing if you were bit or not. Like, think about, like, if, if a cat bit you and you're like, I don't know. I got to wait to see if there's blood. Like, I don't know if it actually got its teeth in the mirror. Well, then you just go off doing stuff, which is worse. Crazy. Yeah. Increasing your blood rate, living a normal, normal life. Like, that's <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty intense, man. One of the places that got, got, uh, got listed here, uh, outside of Australia, um, and that's just because, you know, the history of everything in Australia can kill you, but the ones that all the other ones have in common are our healthcare, lack of healthcare, you know, India, rural parts of India, Africa, South America, you know, you, that's, that's why those to me are the scariest. So don't get me wrong. I, yeah. Getting bit by a fertile ants would fucking suck. Yes. Uh, but yeah. I'd feel better if it was next door to a hospital. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing though, right? Like it's, it's kind of the same thing here. Like, you know, there's, you go to where there's, man, Texas has some of the best hospitals, like literally in, in the country probably in the world i mean spencer uh, green is of, an hour away from me so like yep. if i'm gonna be a venomous snake yeah. this is the place it, i want to do it yeah It'll texas does really well on protecting protecting their doctors right so like they get the really good doctors who are paid really well and don't have to worry about the malpractice stuff so they get really good doc all the good doctors want to go to texas you know not that there's not good doctors everywhere else <laughs> but texas is in in particular you know they have really really good stuff there but when you're in downtown houston downtown dallas like um you don't you don't have to worry about it as much you don't have that when you're you think about the vicinity you're in when you're looking at the snakes in the houston area to travel to the the houston hospital to see spencer green isn't too terrible right like i right. would say if you're within an hour or two of a hospital you should be fine yeah. with the u.s snake bite um that's not the case over there man some of these places are like hours eight hours on the back of a vegetable truck you know, and that's if they have the vehicle. Well, yeah, and if we um, get bit here, we have an option. Like you can choose what. There's multiple hospitals you can choose. Now, there's only one you should choose. It's definitely the wherever Spencer Green is. But yes. you have <laughs> options. Whereas, like, well, the, whereas, like the closest one is again depending on what state you're in. Yeah, yeah. 
there's there's really there's all there's a lot of other really good toxicologists uh and a lot of them i mean all those guys on our team right spencer green sean bush nick brandehoff uh jason folt um all those guys are are really good really good at what they do that's who i want to so, go on sean bush just because yeah. I, I grew up in that in that age of like watching Venom ER and mm-hmm. and all yeah, that. Yeah. So there's a question that was posted, and I'm kind of curious about the answer myself. Um, it's from Reddy's Rainforest, and it says, "Is it because that the fangs are shorter or sharper that they didn't feel the bite?" Talking about the banded creep. Oh yeah. So I does anybody? I don't know. Haven't felt. I don't know. I mean, there. I, I I honestly don't know. I don't know if it's just like the the type of venom composition, like you know. You, if you've ever been stung by an ant, like red ants hurt, but fire ants hurt way worse. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. a lot of that maybe it has something to do with being a neurotoxin. Maybe so. Maybe you know it the hematoxin probably be that. hurt way more. Doesn't create a localized pain yeah. instantaneously like a hematoxin does. Yeah, because it goes and they, in and it's not breaking down tissue. Yeah, right. Yeah, they're in a lapid, so generally as a you know, when you have the, the fixed front fangs, like Gaboon Vipers, they can have two-inch fangs that can swing out. You know, when right. you're a fixed fang elapid, you got to still be able to close your mouth. So most of the elapids have relatively short fangs in comparison to Vipers. So that's probably also a big part of it. I've um, got to imagine a Gaboon Viper. Even if they weren't venomous, just the bite from those fangs would hurt like a son of a bitch. Yeah. Well, go get, oh, yeah. go get bit by an emerald tree boa. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they yeah. got huge teeth, too. Yeah, but they got... 300 of them that's probably- <laughs> <laughs> um you know but yeah that's think about so check this out a, a dollar bill pick up any dollar bill that's that's six inches right so like gaboon viper fangs are like one third of a dollar bill. like that's oh yeah we uh they can they can get up to two and a half inches mm-hmm. but you know inch inch and a half to, to two depending on the size of the animals and their heads are you know the size of a softball sometimes oh they're massive that's like I said, they're that's one of the few venomous snakes I've worked with, and it's one of the very few venomous snakes I've put hands on and had to actually catch, tube, and give injections and do shit with. Uh, it'll get your heart going, especially when um, you realize your zoo at the time doesn't have antivenom and right. the rules don't get bit. <laughs> right. um, but it's we would get the we'd find the fang shed every now and then, so we'd set them in the exhibit. Because the exhibit, oh, yeah. I've explained it on here before, but the exhibit for that one was so cool. It was a, like an African or um, like an African research tent. You know, this little wooden table and a chalkboard in the back with facts about the Kaboon Viper. And then at the end, it says the bite is fatal and the fatal squiggles off because obviously the guy died while riding it. And then the Kaboon Viper just roams this room on the ground around the bottom of this tent. And I mean, by the time, uh, well, when that, it left and they came back. When that Kaboon came back, it was all of six foot and easily like a three liter Coke bottle. Not, not two liter. If you can remember back to like when they still made three liter Coke bottles, it was that. Uh, it is yeah. a massive snake. Like they can be like, yeah, like saucepan size around, man. And yeah. you know what's really interesting about those snakes, uh, the bitis in, in general, um, but the gaboon vipers, man, aside from having big fangs that they can open their mouths close to 180 degrees and get those fangs all the way out. What's really interesting is that they look like big, fat, sluggish oh, yeah. animals. They look like big worms, just huge worms. They look super slow. When they move a lot, they don't really slither. They kind of move like a caterpillar. It's called concertina motion, where they're just moving their muscles. It looks underneath fake. You can this, find videos in a straight online. Line. Yeah. yeah, it looks wrong. It doesn't look like a. Snake. And, and what, Peyton do his uh, education with one one time, and watching them move was so interesting. And then realize how fast it flipped around. 
hundred percent. They can, cool. they can strike 180 degrees upside down and backwards and hit their tail faster than most snakes can strike forward. They're incredibly fast. You think about that size of an animal that's, you know, four or five feet long and as big around as a Coke bottle. Um, that snakes are all muscle, man. They got some in some tissue inside a few lightweight bones. Well, a few more ribs than any <laughs> other animal, but, um, you know, you think about that, the rest of it's all muscle, man. All of it. It's all muscle. It's just crisscrossed, like, like a ratcheting system, just crisscross muscles, um, everywhere. They're just pure muscle. All snakes are. Okay. So you think about like that much muscle, man. And these things can strike backwards a hundred percent. And that's, that's, that's their, their hunting, right? They're ambush predators that lay out in the leaves, have some of the best camouflage. People are really impressed by copperheads. If you're impressed by oh, copperhead camouflage, amazing. look up gaboons. Yeah. They're more impressive in, in natural. Well, we have, we have some at Houston yeah. Zoo and there's tons of people that walk by that cage going, where's the animal? And it's right no fucking idea. in front of you. Yeah. Yep. No idea. And so, so when, uh, you know, mice are hopping around or, or small animals or, you know, whatever, when they're just hopping around and they land on their back, they got to be able to, they don't have time to like turn around. They don't, they can't coil. Like they can't coil like a rattlesnake and be in strike position two thirds of their body. They just don't have that option. So they're, you know, mechanically, physiologically designed to be able to strike right on top of their own back. Well, I've always said two of the best. They're incredibly dangerous animals to work with for sure. They're incredibly dangerous. Two of the best camouflage snakes that are not a solid green color. To me, have always been the Gaboon Viper and the Doomerals Boa. You put those in leaf litter, and they're fucking gone. Mm-hmm. Gone. Goners. And, and copperheads are really impressive. Copperheads are really good, too. Um, except when they're in a tree. They're much easier to find when they're up in a tree. Because uh, they will definitely climb trees. Because I almost walked face first into one. Fine. But, uh, but yeah, Gaboons, the, the one thing I do like about working with Gaboons, and like Eastern Diamondbacks, even Timbers, is yes, they strike very fast, but I never had to work with like big elapids like cobras and mambas. Those fucking scare me because they're faster than me at everything. Like they're faster than me than yeah. so like these people that are having to live around mambas. That's that snake is faster than you just moving, let alone faster yeah, black, than you at striking. Black mambas, we're talking 17, 18 miles an hour on the ground, right? So like you think about the fastest humans in the world are like twenty six miles per hour, and that's not the most fastest, of us. That's, like, <laughs> that's like winning the Olympics. That's yeah. like ungodly fast human beings um most of us can't run i haven't done 17 miles an hour can you run not outside of a vehicle can you run 18 miles in one hour no way (laughs) you're not outrunning a mambo man i can't run one mile in one hour (laughs) (laughs) but i just not unless something's chasing me right i'm not running (laughs) if you see me running 18 miles in a fucking hour you better run too (laughs) yeah there's there's something bad if i see you if i see you run at all i'm gone yeah yeah ask questions later (laughs) yep yeah, but at the end, Robert's like, I just had to go shit really bad. It's like I don't care. I still was. Yeah, yeah. Be like, I'm running from Rachel. I'm not, not not willing to take that chance. It's probably Rachel, and I <laughs> exactly for sure going to try to outrun Robert. I don't want nothing to do with that either. <laughs> okay, so one thing I want to do, I, I, and I want y'all's help with this, and and Brent can help us. Uh, I want to come up with like five questions that I ask, and people in the chat can help too. That we ask every week, just five. General questions, uh, and I'm gonna come up with a list, and then we'll we'll narrow it down. But Brent, if there was a question like that, you could ask any of the guests that come on here anytime. What is something you think you people would like to know, uh, and about anything, oh, anything hobby related? Your gecko's out. Um, Sorry, I was distracted. It's not a gecko; it's a skink. Skink. Sorry. <laughs> Whatever. 
I think I think what is one thing you would like to change in the hobby? That's one question I would like to hear from several yeah. people. I was and I was uh I was actually my mind immediately went to well, obviously venomous stuff, right? Because that's yeah. kind of where my focus lies, but um shows. Um I'm not opening that whole can of worms right now. Um <laughs> Go but, for it. No, no way, man. We've already <laughs> been on an hour and fifteen. My one hour shows usually take three hours when I don't get on this topic, so um we're not doing that. Not that we'll come back. We'll come back to that if you want to do that episode. I'll come back so, to that. One. There is one thing I want to say about shows, and it's a positive thing. Uh, and, and and then I really, I, I realize it at every show, but I really realized it this weekend. Is I honestly and truthfully really love, like love the people at the shows. So, not everybody. There's some there are assholes at the shows, but like I love running into Brent at a show. Mm-hmm. You are an amazing person. Again, we talked about it last night. We were all hanging out, but. A Brent hug is great. There's two people that you can get a hug from that's amazing. Uh, Brent yeah. and JT. Yeah, women love women love to get a hug from JT. But I mean, I've looked at him. He's a giant arms. He's big. He's whatever. But but like when Brent hugs you, it's it's you mean it, man. And you're it's, and you're it's 100 authentic, man. It's, it, I've never I never hug without love, man. It's always yep. two hands. It's always full full body, and it's always 100 percent with love, man. You're you're one of the most genuine people that anyone could ever meet. And and I think that's great. Okay. And and again, I, one thing about all these people is without the hobby, I'm not running into Brent. I'm not I'm not meeting Brent. Like it's not going to happen. I'm not right. meeting any of y'all really without this like it. Mm-mm. And so many we're so different in so many ways, but the hobby brings us together. Uh the Reddies who are in the chat are two of the nicest people I've ever met and have some of the prettiest panther chameleons I've ever seen. But two of the nicest people I've ever met. Uh you know, yeah, Sean and Lori, two of the greatest people I've ever met. Uh, Gonzo and Talina, right? Gonzo and Talina. Yeah. JT and Callie. JT and Callie. JT and Callie. Like our best friend. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just, I, I, I love going to the shows for yeah, that the reason. Yeah, goes on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Joe and Brittany. Yeah. I mean, and so. If we left you out, sorry. <laughs> if we left, many, you, out, if we left you out, I'm either sorry or there's a reason. There's one of the two. Right. <laughs> one of the two. Yeah. <laughs> But, but you know, you're absolutely time. right, man. The show, the shows, shows bring us together, man. That's I, I wouldn't know half the people I know without shows. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wouldn't see probably 99% of the people in the industry. I wouldn't see annually unless it, it, it was for shows. Yeah. And that's, you know, we talked about that too. And Max, in fact, Max and I did that at a Herb show a couple of years ago. Uh, Max was doing a, a video on, the Herb show in Conroe, I think it was two years ago in June, the June one. Um, and he did his whole, like on his YouTube channel, he did a whole show on like focusing on the people of the shows. Cause everybody, every time you see a, a reptile show on YouTube or Facebook or whatever, there's a lot of people covering reptile shows. Every reptile show you go to, there's people with cameras and oh, yeah. microphones and yeah. every YouTube channel has reptile shows on it, which is awesome. But the reality is like, once you've seen a, video of a reptile show you've kind of seen the video of the reptile show it's what happens after afterwards at the dinners at the get-togethers at the parking lot parties in the hotel hot tubs and the i mean the auctions and you know back at the hotel and that's that's where like the true camaraderie and and you know family orientation behind the shows really happens um, and Max really focused on that a couple of years ago because, you know, it, it needed to be done. 
and that's one of my favorite things to talk about is is the people of the show. Like, if you want to you want to talk about ball pythons and see ball pythons, just Google it. Like, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, like honestly, it's don't go to a show for that. It's just like, like no, you could just you could just go to you could just go into Morph Market and order a ball python if you want a certain one to add to your collection. Like, if you're going to the show, make sure it's about the people, man, because that's that's what we all have in common. That's the one thing. And listen, as reptile people in general, we're already like the minority <laughs> in in the general population, right? It's like we're already we a like bunch of weirdos. That, yeah, ninety eight percent of the world's population is innately scared of snakes. So yep. the fact yep. that we go out of our way to, to hang out with them and other people who like them already makes us the weirdest. Well, it's always yeah. funny is some so, of those people that are in the hobby were originally afraid of snakes yeah. and now like snakes. Like it's, yeah. but it's, but just next time you're at a show hanging out, look at the people you're hanging out with and think, honestly think, would this have been someone I would have gone to, to actually hang out with had I just seen them in everyday life? Like here's an example, Jack and Heidi for anybody that's ever met. Jack and I are not the same kind of person. Like, we're not in the same circles. No. But I love standing around talking with Jack. You know, yeah. I love being around. Like, that's, it's just, or Carl. Like, that's, you just meet so many great people. And that's why, like, I feel bad for folks that don't get out and actually, like, talk and learn and meet people at shows. Because uh, you'll, you'll find, friend, like, lifelong friends at those things. Yep. Um, yeah. You always hear the folks that, like, I go to a show, get my stuff and get out. I'm like, but you've missed the important part of this show. Like, it yeah. wasn't. No, I you know, I I love you guys. All three of you guys. I love you guys. I tell you that all the time. Every time I give you guys a hug at a show, and I make sure I hug all all three of you guys equally. Um, I tell you I love you during or after the hug every time. Every and time I, yeah. I do. I lo- I love you guys as people. I love you guys as as friends. I love having you guys in my life, and and uh, I would never would have been able to do that. And I met you. I met all of you guys at at a herb show. Yeah, just yeah. a few yeah. years well, back. And uh, we've we've all stayed in contact, even even outside of herb shows. Every once in a while, we'll just talk or, or visit. Or mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. when Rachel was headed over to Lafayette to get her tattoo, she she hit me up. She's like, "Hey, that's uh, you know, I'm I'm driving through Lake Charles, and I was like, well, I'm somewhere between Denver and Chicago. At the time. <laughs> you were, you know, you were not even in state. <laughs> no, but we tried, you know. And every time, and then we met up on your guys's way back through from I think Slidell last time. You guys yeah. came yeah. by and. Yeah. Didn't have enough time. Uh, you guys ended up leaving late. We didn't have enough time to grab dinner, but we met in the Steamboat Bills parking lot, and it smelled amazing. Yeah, they, did. Uh, <laughs> they were closing. Yes. Bro, we got there. Yeah, they were closing. So, but yeah, I mean, it's that kind of stuff. You know, I let's be real. Like, we all have this passion about animals, whether it's it's uh you know the hobby or the outdoor herping, whether you're doing conservation biology work or um, you're new to to breeding, you know, leopard geckos, like or you're an insect breeder or a plant person, like whatever you, all these people have this, this affinity for this biology and this passion about, you know, animals. And we all have that in common. And so, you know, I, I know for me, those are the people that I want in my circle, in my group, in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I like cars, cars are cool, but I don't, I don't aspire to go to car shows. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not my thing. Um, I'm sure I'll meet cool people there and see cool things and I probably appreciate it, but I'm not going to go out of my way, travel halfway across the country to do it, whether I'm selling something or not, because that's not what I'm passionate about. And so if, if anybody out there is listening and they haven't been to shows, I highly recommend you go. 
spend time with the people, asking <laughs> questions, get to know the people behind the booths, behind the products, behind the animals. Because, like I said, if you just want to buy stuff, get a Walmart robot to, to deliver to your house with a drone. <laughs> like, if you're going to just buy stuff, like, there's easier ways to do it. Um, but if you really want to experience the reptile industry, the breeders, and it's, it's all about the people, man. I mean, well, just, they all have good products or, or they wouldn't, they wouldn't be invited back by the, by the <laughs> organizers. Well, know? if you're going to be in the because, hobby, be in the hobby. Like you, exactly, you, you miss out. There's yeah. some people that own, own snakes, but never go out and do anything. I'm like that again, that's only part of it. Be, be part of the hobby. Like doing this podcast has really helped me meet a lot of folks and then doing the shows and having that. Plus this area of Texas and this whole area has a huge reptile uh, yeah. base of people. So that helps a lot. Um, but it's just like, you meet so so many great breeders, like uh, like David at Eclectic Reptiles. I'm glad he yeah. does shows because I would never have known him. But man, Either. he's got some of the most amazing stuff yes. on his table. Or like I said, Carl. Like I said, when you go to walk into show, we were talking to a, a vendor this weekend about uh, being a vendor. I, I think a, a lot of people don't think like this way. If you're a vendor, if you're gonna, if you're wanting to become a vendor of shows, if you want to turn into a business, you really need to become known as the blank person. Right. Yeah. Uh, if you walk into a herb show and someone says, "Hey, where can I find leeches?" We're all sending you to Carl's table at South Texas. Yeah. All of us. It's the first place. Sure. Yeah. Right. If you walk in and say, "Man, I want blackhead pythons." All right, let's well, split rock. You're gonna go yeah. split rock. He's gonna have blackhead pythons. Uh, yep. Chameleons. I'm sending you over to the Reddies. Right. Be that person. Don't be all over the place. And also to become that person, you got to be a people person. And then. I think hanging out yeah. and becoming social helps because again, it does. as a hobby, a lot of us, I don't say a lot of us, not myself, but there are a lot that are, are very socially awkward, but you get accepted. Well, that's, that's true. That's true for the sciences in general, right? Anybody who's in, involved in anything in science is generally an introverted person. Yeah. So. Find one normal science um, professor on a college campus. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's hard, but I, I mean, you don't have to be an extrovert. I mean, think about, think about the customers that we get when we, when we are vendors at the shows, like, a lot of them, it's hard. You know, like, hey, how's it going? You know, you're trying to do your sales thing. We're all being bubbly and like, hey, buy something for me. But at the same time, we're wanting to get to know the people, right? I mean, we're there as a business. We need to <laughs> cover our bases. And um, nobody wants to go home not selling anything. So we're all trying to, you know, mingle and, and make sure we get a good rapport with our new customers that walk up to the table. But the reality is, like, I can think probably, I would say probably 60 to 70% of the time it's, it's hard to get a reaction on a lot of people there. You know, there's a lot of introverted people that yep. go to these shows. Mm -hmm. yep. And I, I say that not pointing people out. I say that to let the listeners know if you're considering going to a show and you're, you're worried about it because you're introverted and you don't want to be in a building full of extroverts. I can assure you, you won't be. You're not. You're not yeah. <laughs> like there's a few of us, yes. but we'll be behind the table. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's not, there's not a lot of them there, so you don't don't have that as a worry if that's something that's holding you back from going to shows. Um, you know, on the on the show side of it, um, I there are certain shows that I, I love to go to. Like there's some that you have to do, right? Like we talk about the herb shows, uh, but that's not that's not for everybody. Not everybody's in you know, the Texas, Louisiana area. Yeah. It's not, not that super simple for people like people in Wisconsin. Um, herb shows are awesome, man, but I don't expect them to, to 
go to all the herb shows. I mean, they they do three or four a, a month sometimes. Um, you know, with Sean and Lori, they're they're busy, busy bees, man. But they put on great shows with great vendors and and great venues, and we have great turnouts with great customers. I agree. I, I wish it's really hard to complain about. But I wish reptile Facebook groups were friendlier. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, the internet is not a friendly place anymore. But when I first got into the yeah. into the hobby, you, we had the message boards. I'm not saying message boards are better than Facebook. I think the the social aspect has just changed so much in the population. So it's not one is better. It's just people were different then than they are now. But you, you would meet a lot of people on the Facebook groups. And then you'd go to like Daytona and you'd meet them in person. Like people would plan, hey, who's going? And there'd be a list of people that I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And you would run into these people that you had commented on their yeah. threads for a year. Um, so you can yeah. still find still find those people. It's, it's just a little hard now because most Facebook groups, if you post any questions, 50% of them are calling you a fucking idiot. Um, so it's hard to but find. But I still get people. that. I, I, I would say I still get that probably at every show. And, you know, toward the end of last year with Venom Life, we kind of backed off on the shows. Um, and there's a lot of reasons for that. And I'm hoping that maybe next month I can come back on as Venom Life and talk a little bit more about where we've been, where we're at, and where yes, we're yeah. going. Because a lot of, yeah. big, lot of big changes are about to happen, and it's super exciting stuff. <laughs> but that all being said, like, we kind of backed off between that, uh, fuel prices, Basically taking a 50-50 shot on if you're going to make it home from your flight or not. Um, you know, we're looking at uh, huge material problems all over the world. Mm-hmm. And not just apparel stuff, but snake hook stuff, aluminum grips. I mean, there's shortages everywhere that in certain things that people don't just don't know about on the other side of the industry. Um, so when you're dealing with the retail stuff, not not live animals, uh, but even with live animals, there's, there's also shortages. Um, so... Or it's just too costly, right? When you're shipping over cargo stuff from the importers um, to get to the U.S. to be divvied out to the people to be sold to the customers, like that has to come over on shipping containers, which all run on diesel. Like these are all just issues that that just run downhill. And so we took that was part of the reason that we took a little bit of time off. And we'll get more into that later. But you know, we before that, I was doing you know sometimes 15, 18 shows a year either vending or visiting, visiting probably a couple and vending the rest. You know, Andy does 30 to 50 shows a year, Yeah, yeah. you know, that he vends at, he vends at that many. And so, um, it's, it's, a, it's a lot, but almost every time I go to a show, whether it's right here, you know, three hours up the road in Conroe, like last weekend, three hours the other way in Slidell, um, or Chicago, Pomona, Daytona, Florida. I still almost every single time meet somebody that we've been friends for years on Facebook or they follow me on Instagram and or they see me on a podcast. I get it probably once, once every time. And you know, the last few years I've done quite a few podcasts. I do probably 10 or 15 as a guest. Uh, you guys a few times. I love it. Um, the guys over at the Herpica Culture Network. Yep. You know, I, I was, I did three of their podcasts from like 18, 19 and 20 before I met them in person in Daytona for the first time. <laughs> like I, I had been a guest three times. And so when I got to sit down with those guys and have a cigar on the beach and, you know, a glass of whiskey and it was, it was awesome to hang out with these people. Um, but I have a lot of Facebook friends that I've never, never met in person. And I get to do that at shows or 
Alternatively, what happens more often than not is meeting people at the shows and we stay friends on Facebook. And now we're like, hey, are you going to be there? Or next time I see them, you know, we're posting pictures together on Facebooks and, and, uh, or Instagram. And it's awesome to, to meet all these people. And now I literally have friends all over the world, um, just from going to shows. I was like, uh, and, we had Kai Fan on here a while back talking monitors. I've never met him in person. I, I became friends with him at some point forever ago from kingsnake.com on the forums. <laughs> and then somehow oh, found man. him on Facebook. And like, we've been Facebook friends since then. And then we had him on the show. So like, it was, and that was the first time I'd ever talked to him in person, like, you know, face to face, at least through a camera. But so it's just, it's, you meet so many weird. It's also the weird thing about this hobby is you realize how small it is. <clears throat> uh, Cause you start sitting down talking with somebody and you talk about somebody who you don't think they would know. And then they've met and they know that person personally. And like, Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's such a very small community. It seems like we're big. But we talk about it. We are, we are the minority and we are the minority of a minority. I mean, we are itty bitty. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. That is true. So, uh, Darren had true, a good question. Gotta do the shows. Darren had a good question to add to this. He said, have you ever left the hobby? And if so, how long and why? Uh, that's interesting. Cause there's so many people that do leave the hobby and there's a lot that don't come back, but there are a lot that take a break and come back. Uh, so that is one question yeah. I think I will add in there. I like that one. That is, that is probably a good one. Um, and I think the why is really important, man. I, uh, <laughs> when you're in any small tight knit group community and then you also add in, you know, social media, um, drama is afoot 10 times yeah. out of 10. <laughs> yeah. And it does happen. Um, I can say particularly with, with our group and what we're talking about tonight, um, you don't really see it that often, um, but it does happen. There are problem people in every industry and ours is no different. And when you have such a tight knit, small community, like you said, and everybody literally knows everybody, um, it's, uh, you know, word travels fast, rumors travel even faster. And so, you know, that's one of those things that you have to be cautious about. And so I, I would be curious to see if that's not maybe one of the reasons that a lot of people end up leaving. Yeah. Um, you know, I, and I know people too, that we, we all do. We all know people have lost entire collections, whether it was, you know, parvo mites, uh, freezes, a power going out house fires. Um, you know, that's, that's a big thing or, you know, personal medical stuff or whatever. Like we've, we've seen it all. Um, but funny enough, they they seem to all come back, right? So I'd be curious to see why people do leave the hobby or the industry um, and, and don't come back. I would be very interested for that. That would be sure. interesting to know. I mean, I I never have since I since I got in. Uh, really, and I've been into doing the snake stuff for a long time. But when I Chris and I came in in 2015, we started doing shows in 2015 with uh, Get Hooked. Um. He was just doing some with like some, we got some old golf clubs and like took the heads off of the used ones and put, put some aluminum in there with some weird bends that we didn't even have a jig for at the time. Um, and that's how we started in 2015. And, you know, it's just on like some wooden rack he made in his garage and six of them on a table. And, you know, we went from that to now selling fucking everything you can imagine online. Tub openers. Uh, I still need to get a tub opener. I love that thing. 
Gotta have them, man. Gotta have. Them. I think you guys. I think honestly, you guys should sell them. I think you guys need to get a little set up, and you need to have them at your booth. And, okay, say when. And, and <laughs> I, I think you. I, I think you guys need to wholesale them. Yes. Um, Done. Done. I love. I, I need to that, get one. I'll call you tomorrow. I was gonna say I use yeah. mine every time I'm working in the room. Every time I'm having to use a hook to open a tub because I have like a something in there I know will come out at me. I'm like this hook is yeah. just so. It's such a pain in the ass because it moves around. I'm like, mm-hmm. I need a tub opener. And for anybody that didn't know, we've, we've talked about it before, but it's the most ingenious thing. It's it's the same handle you have for a snake hook with a metal square on the end of it with a little bit of an angle. to. It's just perfect for reaching down and opening a tub if you've it's got something fantastic. That, that likes to meet you at the opening as soon yeah. as you open it. Which and I do. not just for venomous <laughs> stuff. Not just for ven- no, no. Oh, no. I don't have venomous stuff, and but I do have uh, you know snakes that like to meet me. And Even I if it's for those that. like – the ones that are just super excited when there's food, when they can smell food. Like I've got a, oh, my yeah. Louisiana pine snake. I would 100% use it when feeding him. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. He gets very excited when he can smell rats. You know, yeah. And I tell people too, like it's, it's a, uh, you know, just rat breeders, man. When you got to just check food and water on the bottom shelf, you don't even got to bend over anymore. Yes. You can do that. And, uh, and it never slides mm-hmm. off the tubs and it doesn't break it. Cause it's now I need a second you know, one. surface area. You need one yeah. for your rats also. I need one for the garage for the rats. And I keep the other yeah. one in the snake room. It's pretty. And that's not just for bite. That's just for ease. Miloradovich says he needs one because he's getting too old to bend over. They're, they're great. <laughs> they really are great. They, yeah, yeah. They're pretty, pretty incredible, pretty incredible tools, man. And, you know what's cool about that too is all the stuff. Pretty much everything we have um, was designed at over at Venom Life. Now we're getting off way off topic with the ASF stuff, but um, pretty much everything we have over there is like has been designed by somebody who needed something, right? Like as an entrepreneur, your job is one thing. I don't care what industry you're in. As an entrepreneur, your job is one thing, and that's to solve problems yeah. in one yeah. way or another. Literally all you do, all whether it's service industry, whether it's, it's the, you know, retail industry, reptile industry, it doesn't matter if you're, if you're an entrepreneur, your job is to solve a problem. Um, and so when people come to us, they're like, Hey man, I got this issue with this, this thing, Mike Vessio, Mike Vessio came to us with a, a little, a little, uh, coat hanger. And he's like, man, could you make me something like this? It's not a coat hanger. And you know, now we have the Viper series hooks, which is made for neonates. And like, that's, that's it. Like, that's, that's what we came up with. Same diameter, all this stuff. That was because there was a need for it for neonates and small babies because the big hooks just don't work. You can't slide underneath the snake when it's on a hard surface, like so many issues. Then we came up with the tapered points and then we came up with the tub openers and all of those were because somebody had a need for something that wasn't currently available in the industry and we figured out a way to do it. So, you know, that's another thing we need to bring it back to the hobby stuff. If you want to be a vendor, you want to start vending, you want to start doing whatever, make sure you're not just, and I hate to, to rag on ball python guys, but it's, it's just an easy target all the time. It's like, if go for gonna, it. You know, go sell, for it. if you're going to sell ball pythons, don't just show up with ball pythons. Like you got to do something different or you're not going to be successful. And that's true for every industry. And it certainly isn't any different in ours. You know, when we talk about you got to be the person that's known for something, that's exactly what you were talking about, James. Like, yeah. if you're going to do it, you got to do something that nobody else is doing. You got to do it at least as good or better. And then you have to be uh, known for that thing. And if you're not, you're just another guy selling another thing. You know what I mean? And, so, and maybe not selling it and getting upset that the person that is known for it, that's two rows over at you from a show, is selling all of theirs. 
In fact, yeah, man, I know I know people that sell their entire table before they even got to the show and they just walk around for two days. Like like just that's how you know they're good at what they're doing. And and of course, that's that can't be for everybody. They might have stuff that nobody else has. Yeah. They might have, you know, the ability to do that. Or they might have a built in they might just get lucky one time where like a pet store who has multiple branches um needs that animal at that time. Like it could it could just be a fluke sometimes. But the reality is Bringing it back to that show question that you were talking about last, um, I don't remember who the listener was, but uh, that asked us like, I wonder if that wouldn't be one of the leading causes for people leaving the industry. Um, is that they go to these shows, never even make enough to cover their tables, definitely don't cover enough for the hotel and the, the fuel and the food and everything else that that goes into doing the show travel. Um, and that's the discouragement that leads people to leave. I would have to imagine that that's probably that and drama and not that we have a ton of drama, but I would have to assume that those are probably the two main reasons that people leave the industry, our industry specifically. I got to say, I am, I am happy that it's just a hobby for me. Like a lot of our friends that shows and, and Robert, it's, it's a business. And so a weekend needs to make a certain amount of money. Whereas I go into the weekend going, all right, if I make nothing, you got excited because you paid for Joe's. Yeah, I paid for my daughter's birthday. birthday. I sold enough snakes to pay for my daughter's birthday. Right. For her party. Right. So that, but had I not, we yeah. still would have found the money to pay for her birthday. Like, it, right. Yeah. I wasn't. For me, it's, are oh, we going to have a place to live this month? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you know, can we pay our truck? Yeah, it's, it's your livelihood. It's your livelihood. And for a lot of these people, it, it's, and, and that's, you know, we, we always refer to it as like in the hobby, in the industry, in the hobby, in the industry. And and just for the listeners so that they know, like, that's pretty much what we're talking about. Like, are you trying to pay your bills this month and cover overhead and operating costs and employees or be able to buy two more pallets of PVC to fill orders or be able to make your payment on your CNC machine or be able to keep the lights on at your facility? Or are you going to have to let somebody go this month? Because, you know, that's those are all real things in the industry. And it's not any different for people who breed exotics or crazy morphs. Um, you know, there's people out there who do really, really, really well selling ball pythons, which is why mm-hmm. I don't do shit on them all the time. Um, you know, we can talk about with Kabilkas and Bob Vu and, and these guys that are super successful at what they do. <coughs> um, and the, the reality is like, <laughs> you know, Everybody's like, man, Bob, he, he makes this crazy money doing ball python. It's like, well, yeah, but he started in like the early 2000s with nothing. And like, yeah. it took him yeah. two decades to build up to that relentless, relentless shows, mm-hmm. 40, 50 shows out of pocket, not selling stuff at a lot of them, losing money on a lot of them, losing animals, losing vendors, losing suppliers. I mean, and by the way, having to maintain that you got to, to be able to do it at that level that these guys are doing it at, you know, it takes a, it, it takes a lot of money to make money in any industry and the reptile industry is no different. You know, some of these guys are selling $10,000, $12,000 breeding pairs of stuff. And, um, not everybody can do that. You know, when you're talking selling colionics or banded geckos versus, you know, dwarf retics that are, have, you know, three, three head morphs. Like it's just not the same animal quite literally and metaphorically. And so, you know, it's another thing to consider when you're getting into it is like, don't, don't be discouraged. If you're looking to get into the industry, um, take it from hobby to industry, because 
it takes a lot. And, you know, even being on the retail side with the cages um, and the racks and the, you know, that you guys do, um, it takes, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of getting out there and, and hustle and grind and yeah. uh, don't get discouraged because, you know, when we started doing shows, we, we weren't really making any money at the beginning either. That was in 2015. In 2019, we started the apparel side just to have something else to offer. Um, and nobody in the industry was really doing t-shirts, you know, there was black t-shirts with white logos everywhere you went at yep. every single show. And it show. still is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It still pretty much is. But anymore, like now, you know, since we started it and I'm not taking all the credit for this, but I know since we started doing Venom Life in 2019 and, and offering all these crazy designs and like real clothing stuff that are, that is kind of geared toward the community and the hobbyists, uh, in the industry. Now you can go to a lot of these tables and they have four or five t-shirt options in different colors with different designs and, and, uh, which is awesome. I love it, man. It, it brightened up the community a lot and it made it a lot more fun. And not everybody can bring home a live animal. Not every kid, <laughs> you know, can get that, that animal that he wants. His parents don't want him to have it or he can't, it just costs too much or whatever. Like there's so many things. Um, so to be able to go home with something to show your love and appreciation and passion for, reptiles uh or amphibians or whatever i think it's cool for people to have that option so um but yeah don't get discouraged man like it's it's tough it's a tough industry to be in and uh i think any industry is a tough one to be in uh if you're not at the top and nobody ever starts there so yeah go and make friends the best thing you can do uh whether you're a vendor whether you're an aspiring vendor, whether you're just a hobbyist or just somebody with a general interest about reptiles and amphibians, um, go and talk to people because looking at those animals is not going to get you any information. It's not going to get you anywhere in the hobby. It's not going to further your friends list on Facebook if that's all you care about. None of that's going to happen. And it's, it's all about the people. It's got to be about the people. Agreed. Very much so. So... There you go. Anybody out there, if you come up with any other questions, we're going to put this list together. And I'll think of one, man. I'll, yeah. send, I'll send you one, but I don't have any right now. But, but I'd like to get a list. There's a couple that came in. I like one. Of like five or so to ask each week. Just because it's, I want to get ones that like, it's very interesting to hear someone's point of view on certain things. And like, like I said, if they left a hobby, it'd be very interesting to hear the point of view of why they left a hobby. Because to me, and I've talked about before. I can't imagine doing that myself. I've been in it since 2003 when I bought my first snake. I couldn't imagine not owning snakes. So like, and there's definitely been moments where I'm like, I should just get rid of everything. But then I'm like, no, fuck that. I'm not doing that. <laughs> so I would be very interested to hear about people that do it. But, uh, so I want to go over uh, a few things over on our discussion group. I saw some yeah. interesting things. Uh, Robert, you posted one of the, like one of the most amazing diamond pythons mm -hmm. I've ever seen. Like patternless diamond python. Yeah. That one that was like found in the wild. And they, they let it go? Yeah, they said there's a couple in that area, if oh, I remember yeah. the article, right? I mean, I, I'm very, very proud of them. I could have done it, but very proud of them. Way to go. Uh, going through, oh, the color change in uh, between live snakes and dead snakes. Yeah. I've seen that before. Like, when a green snake dies, it'll turn blue. So people are like, I found a, a dead blue whatever. I'm like, it was probably green before it died. Yeah. Uh, that was in a green, uh, smooth green snakes are one of those that happens. Travis Wyman posted the scariest frog I've ever seen. Yeah. The, I thought it was a crocodile at first, and then I realized I was watching a frog. It was, it's a series of pictures of a, an African bullfrog, 
sitting at the edge of the water in the water with his eyes up and then like birds coming down to drink and it just leaps up and it swallows a bird fucking whole pretty much that's insane so that, that goliath the goliath bullfrog in central africa yeah yeah that is horrifying i mean if you're a bird i mean but uh ryan gossip posted this weird video it's of let's see if i can pronounce this right it's the Chobe river which uh and it's on. I'm trying to see. It's a lechway, some sort of antelope. It looks like mm-hmm. uh, being yeah, chased red, red and gray lechways, being chased by a Nile croc. Mm-hmm. And so, like you're watching this thing swim across the water, you see the Nile. Fuck out of that Nile. Yeah, and right as he gets to the edge of the land, like gets to where he can stand up, that Nile gets right to his to his butt and goes to bite him. And he kicks him right in the face, yep. and then he uh, jumps a couple times and he's out of the water and he gets yep. away from this Nile crocodile. Like, the lechway is a big animal too. Yeah. Like oh, watching the video, awesome. go check it out on the Reptile Gumbo Podcast discussion room. It's an interesting video because you're watching, you're thinking, "Oh man, this Nile's about to kill this thing." I did a, I did a couple of uh, shoulder mounts on them back when I used to work for a taxidermist, and uh, it's a, it's a stout animal. What's well, impressive how fast it swims because mm-hmm. you just don't. I mean, look at the, the legs of antelope and deer; they just don't look like they'd be great at kicking. They they spend most of their time in wet, like lowlands and swamps and gotcha. stuff like that. So that was a very look you know, at a fucking hippo. How does that thing move as fast as it that does? That's how strong they have to be to move Find, find any of the videos where they chase down boats. Yeah, to move that much bulk through the water. We try to run in the water that's like this, like chest deep on yeah. you as a human. Yeah. So this is a video. Nathan Holcomb posted a video of a boom sling eating a chameleon. He's got like... It's got, but it's got a stick. Got the, the, the chameleon needs to hold on to the stick. The chameleon has its tail wrapped around a stick. So, like, the stick is, like, wedged in his mouth coming out both sides, and you can still see the tail wrapped around as his boom sling. He's got the chameleon halfway down his throat. Mm-hmm. So, oh, man. But. That's awesome. I just, I, I'm, I'm very interested to talk. I want to talk with Corey Martin when she gets back. My, my goal is when Corey gets back. Yeah. She's in Africa right now. Um, I would love to go. Should have her and Blake on together. That is, that'd be fucking hilarious. <laughs> I think that needs just, to be two separate shows. I just want to keep, I keep, so I keep throwing this idea out there. I've said it in multiple places. Uh, for those of that, we've had Corey Martin on here before. We love Corey. Uh, we had Blake on on an interview once at a reptile show. And if you don't remember that interview, I strongly recommend going back. I believe it was a uh, Brian College Station show. It was. I don't know what episode it was. But just find Blake Wilson. Find that out. It's interesting. But if you've ever met two people that are more opposite, <laughs> yeah. uh, tell me. Because it's not. Yeah. yeah Corey yeah. and Blake. And they are now currently in South Africa together. No, in Zimbabwe. In Zimbabwe together. Uh, I'm telling you, I would love for like Max to just film Corey and Blake traveling the world and just getting pictures of Corey's face when Blake says things or does things. Yeah. Yeah. Like naked in front of Victoria Falls. They're sitting there naked with two other guys in front of Victoria Falls. Yeah. Max was supposed to be on this trip, but ended up changing and he's going, I don't know, he told me. Yeah. Somewhere else. I I, I need, I need. That to be a new travel YouTube show. Just Corey and Blake yes. do the world. Yes. Things going. Uh, Max is Max is go. Yeah, and uh, and the Guinea trip. He's going to yeah. do filming in nice. Guinea for ASF this year. That's right. So. So he'll be on that trip doing uh doing some filming of the the work in Guinea for ASF. I'm just gonna keep throwing it out there that I want a Corey and Blake spinoff show from their trip. Because <laughs> I think, it would, like I said, we got to get Blake back on just because. He's fucking hilarious. And even yeah. if we don't ever talk about reptiles, like maybe, I think, do we talk about, we talked about strippers last time, I think with him. 
yeah, of course. He's one of my favorite people. He's one of my favorite people to yes. see. Show, see, man, I was pretty bummed that he was busy in Africa. I, I still went and hung out with these guys, though, man. Like, even just everybody at that booth is hilarious. It's, it's so good. Man. Yeah, you didn't have Blake or Corey at this con room. No. It felt very weird. No, that actually wore. I actually wore oh. his shirt. I forgot. Just yesterday, I'm wearing Corey Morton's her old shirt. Her old shirt. I don't have the new one. I have so a I new got, one. I got Blake's out here. Oh, nice. Yeah. So, all right, let's let's wrap this up. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, we had a giveaway. We, I need to do the giveaway for this month. Oh. We're gi- giving away one of these awesome calendars behind me. The uh, oh, yeah. from Brittany Gobble. I say we. She's giving it away. I'm not. She is giving it away. <laughs> so let me go ahead and hit the beep boop beep boop random generator and see who it lands on. It landed on James Barry. So the question was. Uh, for the to, to win the calendar was you had to list two reptiles you would like to combine, and why. Um, and his answer was the Chinese alligator, and a panther chameleon. And he said simply because why not? I'm not gonna lie, a Chinese alligator, bright colored Chinese alligator that can change colors. I'm sold. Yeah. Yeah. I will take it. Some other options were um, our buddy Jason Miloradovich saying Samboas and ball pythons just to watch my head explode. <laughs> uh, it would just be a lump at that point, just an <laughs> orange lump. Um, Amanda already said panther chameleons and Parsons chameleons, so they can have a giant uh, panther chameleon, a chihuahua, as she said, a chihuahua size panther chameleon. Uh, Darren Watson said a Mexican alligator lizard and a green tree monitor because uh, he wants to get something that resembles a dragon. So I wish I would love a Mexican alligator lizard. Brony. I can't believe nobody said like fly river turtle like that. That and anything would be hilarious, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, like, pig, like, pig, like that pig. and a yellow anaconda. Yeah. Like, come on. A pig nosed yeah. anaconda. I want. Yeah. Like I want one of those Draco lizards that have the wing flaps so they can like fly, mm-hmm. and a the flying lizard and an yeah. emerald tree boa. I want an emerald tree boa that can basically fly out of trees. Why? And that would just look like a normal green dragon. Yeah, but it would have giant teeth like an emerald tree boa. <laughs> it could literally launch from across the jungle like a dragon? And, and attack someone's face. Fly across the jungle. So, so you just want a green dragon? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a dragon, James, at that point. Hey, don't ruin my... Now, now I'm all sad. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm just joking, dude. I'm just joking. I'm just imagining what that would look like, and it would just be like, it would have wings, and it would be green with long teeth. What about... That's- the size, the size of a saltwater croc, but okay. it's but it's a uh, a crested gecko. So not only is it huge, but it's huge and dumb. We could just watch what the, a giant crested gecko could fall off of. We already know what normal ones can fall off of, which is everything. <laughs> just imagine a giant crested gecko the size of a saltwater croc just climbing up a building and then just leaping off into space. <laughs> so I'm all yeah, I'm like like a like a. Uh, a Nile crocodile side, like a Nile crocodile that had the any gecko sticky grip feet. to it. Sticky oh that god, would be terrifying! Could you imagine yeah. a Cuban croc Ooh. and a toke? So it can gallop and run like a Cuban croc. And I mean, I get, I'm scared of a Cuban croc trying to bite me, but fucking tokes are also evil, and they can climb up walls. Yeah, I'm also, I also don't want those bites. No, that would be a bad one. Yeah, no, that would be a really bad one. Pass. I wish I would have known about this game. I, that would be fun, man. I know. I wish I was a little more. All right, that's getting at, that maybe get added to my list of uh, questions I'm going to ask people. 
<laughs> yeah, you should you should do that. Just on every show, just ask that. Like, if you could combine any two reptiles, what would you combine them? What's going on? Going like, on think about. Uh... Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, I am I fly that. river turtle. That... Fly river turtle. I can't think of what one makes it. Some sort of lizard. Tell anything. Man. Could you imagine a komodo right. with a pig nose <laughs> and flippers? <laughs> right. Just they're just going from island to island much faster now. What if you did like a, a Komodo and your Draco lizard? Just flying Komodo dragons. That'd be fucking like horrifying. That. Uh, that's see, that'd just be a dragon. That's it's still just a dragon. <laughs> we just seem to keep getting back to being a dragon. It's like James just wants dragons. That's all there is to it. So Oh, what what about a croc a red eyed croc skink and a Komodo? That'd be cool. That's a lot of armor though. That would like be cool. spiky yeah. armor. Around its neck, that'd basically just be a dragon without wings. But why are we just making dragons? Because <laughs> <laughs> dragons are cool. I'd say they're awesome. There's got to be something you can mix with like you a Galapagos tortoise, just a big old shell on something weird. Yeah, I was just gonna say, like, interesting from you know from some of the ones that you named off, and even the ones that we just went through. Um, thinking about it now, like there were like no snakes listed. Yeah, yeah. Nobody mm-hmm. wants to combine anything with the snake. Um, or turtles. Because snakes are already perfect. Right. We don't need to combine anything with them. Okay, it's not a reptile. Pretty much like all crocodilians and lizards, like yeah. across the yeah. board. What about Galapagos tortoise? I know it's not a reptile, but a bullfrog. Mm. So it's this giant shelled frog. That big bullfrog. That eats birds. The, the giant, eats birds. There we go, the African bullfrog yes. with a giant Galapagos tortoise shell on it. <laughs> that is indestructible at that point. some weird fucking dreams tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This would be a fun game yep. to play at reptile shows after people have uh, partaken of some stuff. Yeah. Yep. Oh, like the, the parking lot party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So if people want to get uh, more information about the, uh, the Snake Bite Foundation. <laughs> Asclepius. Uh, that's what I said. It's an easy I said, word. I said that. It sounds like every time Asclepius. I try to say Travis Wyman's email. Yeah. I don't know how to say his email either. Yeah. Ray, Ready's Rainforest said an anaconda size. Hog nose. Still That's fucking horrifying. <laughs> that still plays dead. <laughs> Just rolls over on top of your car. So now, but if it's that big, the venom's got to be way more dangerous. Because of the volume. The volume. The volume. They're just pumping just a gallon of Or the venom. size of the fucking thing. It would be like getting stabbed <laughs> yeah. with a butcher knife. But it's eating those giant tortoise uh, toads that we it would have to, made. It, it would have to eat those things. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else that would sustain like one that big. Capybara. <laughs> just... Or people. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just eating people. <laughs> hippos. People we could feed. Just pygmy hippos. Yeah. Uh, it just it just it uses its rear fangs to pop the hippos. Pop it does. He flates a hippo. Uh, That's what they do with frogs. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God, that'd be hilarious. Anyways, oh, so they want to get a hold of us. Isn't that... Okay, so the word I can't say. Isn't that the, the little symbol on vet things? Isn't that what that is? The little snake? Around the staff, yeah. The me- so the pretty much the, the staff, the staff of Asclepius is the medical symbol. Medical symbol, yeah. Yeah, and if you guys want to, like, there's really, really cool information if you learn the story about, um, you know, the staff of Asclepius and and what it meant. Like, it's really cool. It actually combines snakes and medicine, um, in the stories. So definitely look that up. Do your homework on that. But yeah, the Asclepius Snake Bite Foundation, um, snakebitefoundation.org online uh, it is dot org you don't have to type in asclepius for the website so don't worry about that snake by foundation.org <laughs> if you go to instagram or facebook uh primarily instagram uh 
just type in Snake Bite Foundation, you'll see it. Um, you guys can probably toss up the logo or, or the link uh, to the website in that discussion um, yeah. so people yeah. can see the logo as well. Um, yeah, that's that's the best way to do it. And, you know, just keep in mind, I, I have to say it again, that we're 100% volunteer-based. $100 is the average cost to treat patients. And, uh, you know, even just a recurring donation of 5 to $10 a month is literally provides life-saving medicine every single year for each person that does that hmm. uh, can save a life a year with just that amount. So kick out one Starbucks a month and, uh, and help us out if you can, um, or just go do a one-time donation. You know, you want to go drop 10 grand? We'll, we'll <laughs> name a whole room at the hospital named after you. <laughs> like, uh, just got to make it happen, man. Just got to make it happen. So yeah, the Asclepius Snake Bite Foundation, uh, ASF, and I highly recommend going to the website and kind of perusing it. You know, Robert was in a little bit while we were while we were live here. Um, it's pretty interesting stuff, yeah, Robert. Like, oh yeah, there's lots to see, lots to learn about. Um, I think it's pretty well put together, pretty easy for high academics and the general lay person that doesn't know a lot about this stuff to to really understand kind of the focus, the need, and the problem, as well as uh, you know our mission and our fix and our purpose. So yeah, definitely please go check it out. And uh, if anybody wants to, they can reach out directly to me, uh, Brent Schultz, you know, Brent Venomous on Instagram, Facebook, whatever uh, you can find me. Um, you can actually go straight to the contact and, and contact the team directly through the website as well. You can direct contact us for more information or, um, you know, have, get your questions answered, things like that. So, um, cool. Help out our volunteer organization. If you can, please yeah, reach out and help them out. If you can, it's, it's, it's a great cause. Um, so reach out, help them out. If you see Brent in a show, give him a hug. Yes. Speaking of which, uh, I did confirm with Sean at the end of the show. He asked how we did. I told him how well we did. And he said, man, that was just kind of thrown together last minute. Um, uh, you guys are invited back to do the silent auction fundraiser again for June. We committed awesome. to that. Uh, we'll do a four pack of tables this time to make sure we have enough stuff and it'll be part of the promotional stuff as well. So huge shout out again to, to Herps, uh, Sean and Lori and the whole team over there. All the Herps vendors, huge shout out to all you guys who helped us out this weekend by donating things directly off your table. Um, without your donations, we would have had nothing to auction off. And therefore would have raised no money. So 100% of the 2600 we made this weekend was um, from pure generosity at the Herps, Conroe so, uh, vendors and organization. If you guys are going to do it in June, in June, I'm going to make a custom piece that's going to have to be a two-day auction. And we're going to raise some yeah. money with that. I'm going to make something we custom that will yeah. be a one-of-a-kind. Cool. Like a sign, like or... I did for the Hertz Family Foundation. Yeah, that flag or the flag I made with the Hertz Family and the U.S. Ark. Have to take a look at their logo. Yeah, you yeah. can do their oh, logo. Yeah, gonna... yeah, yeah. Remember that one? Yep. So we, uh, yeah, we really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. But that's a uh, huge. And for any vendors that are listening, or anybody who checks it out as well, any anybody like that, um, now they have a little bit of time to to think about what they'd like to to bring us because again. Without without the donations, man, we got nothing. But um, we we really really do appreciate it, and I wanted to extend that again to all the vendors, to you guys for for bringing me on tonight, for your constant support, for 
me personally, uh, you know, my personal journey, my brand, my my businesses and companies, and, and specifically tonight, um, our mission with the Snake Bite Foundation and your guys' continued support and helping spread the word and the and and the cause is, you know, I, I can't tell you where we'd be at without without people like you guys supporting us. So thank you guys so much. Again, thanks to Herps and all the vendors and uh, and the listeners for putting up with us for two hours and two <laughs> yeah. minutes and seven seconds. So uh, if you want to reach Robert about a rack cage, all the other things we listed earlier, it's lsreptileracks.com. If you want to reach out to us, again, if you have any good questions for us to ask every week, uh, you can reach us at the Reptile Gumbo Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and at gmail.com. Reach out to Brent, help out the Asclepius. Did I get it right? Yeah. Ah, nailed it. Foundation at the end. Uh, Brent, thanks for being on. Right. Thanks for watching. We will be back next week with somebody. Hang around, Brent. And good night, everybody. Good night. Good night.